Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, oh, and welcome to the Opening Drive here on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. CD, happy Tuesday. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. How are you? Everything's outstanding as we get ready for the Cardinals to return to action tonight. The Brewers are in town. The Cardinals, over the course of the next couple of days, can reduce that magic number to 10. And they will have Jordan Montgomery on the mound tonight. So a good way to get started. It's always fun to watch, as we've seen over the course of the last month plus. It's fun to watch Jordan Montgomery pitch. It, it really is. <laughs> and ha- and the addition of him and what they've done since the All-Star break has been, uh, I, I don't know, nothing short of, of just amazing. Because he's come, he's done a great job. And, and not only has he done a great job for us, you see what the Yankees have done once he yeah. left, how poorly they've played. I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but I mean, we'll take it. Yeah. I'll definitely take that Jordan Montgomery's presence here is, has been the catalyst to allow us to go on this winning streak and have all of these games and be in a position to to eventually close out these Brewers and and maybe make a run at the at the number two overall seed in the in the in the NL. If you close out the Brewers, there's only one thing to shoot there for. You, right? you might well, as well take couple, advantage. Yeah, you got a couple things to shoot for individually. Yeah, and, <laughs> but and, as a team, yeah, yeah you, you, that, that's you, the next goal. For number two, that's the, that's still the <laughs> carrot. By the way, Corbin Burns the Cy Young winner in the National League was supposed to start for the Brewers tonight. They're going to go with an opener, Matt Bush, and his longest outing of the season so far has been only an inning and a third. I hate the opener, but I'm going to give the Brewers a pass because they have so many injuries in their rotation. But if you are a team that has to utilize an opener on a regular basis, and fortunately there isn't one in Major League Baseball, but if you're a team that has to do that, your ownership and your front office aren't trying hard enough. Well, I, I think we talked about this. I talked about this, I think, with, with uh, I was going to say with Carriker, <laughs> with Michelle. <laughs> I talked about this with Michelle a few weeks ago. And we were talking about when the Brewers made that trade, what were you saying to your team? You, you, you get rid of your best pitcher in mm-hmm. Josh Hader, and you're in the position at the moment at that time. I think they were still Three in first. Up. They were still in first. And you're basically saying to your team, all right, we're we're – we're we're done for the season. We're not gonna compete. We're not gonna fight. We're not. And they've gone in the opposite direction than the Cardinals have since that trade deadline. Losing a vital piece to your team, uh, uh, the guy that is you know your guy, it not only it not only makes your team worse, obviously, but in that in that clubhouse, guys are looking around like, what are we doing? How how did we get so bad so fast? Or what are we trying to do? What is our purpose here? And you got guys. 
the thing about professional athletes, your career is is you don't know when the last at bat is going to be. You don't know when the last time you're going to take the field. You want to win every opportunity that you have in the game to win that season. You don't want to rebuild or, or start again next year. You're not there for that, especially if you're an older guy, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years in, and you haven't won yet. You mm-hmm. understand how crucial and, and you, you got less years to play than, than more. So I think when that trade deadline happened, you're kind of you're looking at what the Brewers became and how they are now. And, and I'm sure that there are men in that clubhouse the day that that happened they looked at each other. They got a group text. They they were trying to figure out what the hell are we doing and where are yeah. we going and why am I still here? And carry on the flip side, the Cardinals are completely energized by yes. Albert Pujols' support and uh, pursuit of 700. This is a seven-game homestand, and the Cardinals will have an opportunity, and they only face one left-hander during the homestand, Mike Miner of the Reds on Saturday, but... They'll certainly have an opportunity to get Albert some at-bats and maybe get him to 700 by Sunday. Here is Jeff Passan of ESPN on Albert Pools. It's not just this tear that he's been on that's you know, going on almost two-plus months at this point. It's the fact that emotionally what he brings into that clubhouse, the energy, the excitement, the fact that everyone is rallying around him, hoping that he can get to that 700 number, it's brought a different dimension to the St. Louis team that has some flaws, certainly, probably isn't as good as the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets, but still, because it's October, has a chance to go out and win a championship. And Kerry, two things. Number one... Let's be realistic. The Cardinals aren't as good as the Dodgers, the Braves, or the Mets. But it's the team that plays the best. It's not the best team that always wins. It's the team that plays the best. And the Cardinals are capable of doing that. It's about matchups and finding the the right pieces and the right times and the right, you know, people making the right plays. And and one thing I, 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 Mike Tomlin used to always say, just get in the tournament. And you just get in the tournament and anything ha- can happen. You, the tournament in, is, is the playoffs. You just get in and anything can happen. You, but you got to be there mm-hmm. in order to have an opportunity to win. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited where they are, how they've been playing. Um, yeah, they aren't as good as, as when you look at the roster, some mm-hmm. of those other ball clubs. But you spoke about it yesterday. The, the Dodgers are having a lot of injuries to their pitching to, to, to different positions. And, Maybe things are, are are happening for the Cardinals at the right time yeah. when you look at the other teams that in, and what's going on uh, in the NL. And I don't know that I've ever seen a player as universally beloved in a clubhouse as Albert is right yeah. now by his teammates. It's it, it's unusual. Like when McGuire was pursuing 62, he wasn't – everybody really respected him as a great teammate. But I don't think they – he was universally beloved. Right. I think this guy, whether it's young kids who look up to him and ha- had him as their favorite player. Heck, Nolan Arnato is 31 and had him as, as his favorite player when he was a kid. <laughs> and now, not only is Albert on the same team, but he's a great guy right. with these right. guys. And they all really appreciate it. And everybody's rooting for him. Everybody is. And, and I, I talk about the, the, the relationship that I've seen from afar with him and Lars Newbar. Just mm-hmm. it seems like that young man and, and that older gentleman have something in common where they they may speak the same language when it comes to baseball and they may see things or he's or Albert is possibly teaching him things that he may not have known. And, and it's kind of like watching your student do something mm-hmm. and, and you teach him how to do it. You show him how to do it the correct way. And then they, they succeed at that task. 
<laughs> you're such a proud parent, proud, <laughs> proud uh, uh, teacher in that moment because your student, you know, the person that you're showing all of these things to is actually succeeding and doing well. So I, I think that relationship has been awesome to watch uh, in that clubhouse. And it certainly has fostered chemistry. And I've never been on a, on a team, let alone a winning team like you have. But I know that just This is from- a winning team, Randy. Well, yeah, we, we are. are. We're, we're a winning be, team. And chemistry is part of it, right? <laughs> there it is, yes. And, and I, I think that chemistry has been fostered in that clubhouse because of a, a universal desire for Albert to get yeah. to 700. Yeah, everybody's rooting for him. Everybody's cheering for him. Um, when someone is chasing something of that nature, it's only it's only right that you are are, are present and, and a part of that and excited for your teammate. Like I said, most of these guys grew up and he was their favorite player. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're on the same team as him. And to be able to see him live in action every single day, how he goes through his process, you know, batting practice, how he gets after after each at bat, goes back and looks at the iPad and see what the t- what the what the pitcher did, how did he try to get him out, how I got a hit, how I got out, all of those things every single time. He's learning, but people are watching him and learning as well. And he's not being stingy, speaking of Albert, he's not being stingy with the information. Sometimes people, players yeah. can be stingy with their information and not want to share it. He's sharing everything he has with this younger group of guys. And and to me, it's 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 what's making this baseball team where they are and how they are thus far this season. And tomorrow it'll be Adam Wainwright and the idea of Molina with start number 325 together. We'll talk about that later in the show. But tonight, 645 Valley Sports. Last night, Monday Night Football for week one, a stunner in Seattle. Who expects Geno Smith? All due respect to Geno Smith. He's been around for a long time. He's maintained a job in the NFL. But I just didn't expect him to win a game against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, and he did. He tossed a 38-yard touchdown pass to Will Disley in the first quarter. It was 7-3 after a quarter. And then in the second quarter, Jason Myers hits a Seattle field goal to make it 10-3. Wilson comes right back. It's Jerry Judy for a beautiful 67-yard touchdown to make it a 10-10 game. But before the second quarter was out. Smith, Parkinson, touchdown, Seattle. Colby Parkinson, a 25-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-10. 17-16 was the score in the late going when the young coach for Denver, Nathaniel Hackett, allowed the clock to go down so that he could try a long 64-yard field goal that would have won the game. From 64, McManus missed it. The Seahawks are going to win this game. All right, so with 40 seconds on the clock, fourth and five, Denver could have taken a shot to try to get the first down and get closer yeah. than 64 yards for McManus. What would you think? I thought that was a poor decision. I thought that that was a coach probably getting too much information uh, and 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 really trusting Maybe maybe what his coaches, what his special teams coach had told him, he probably was telling him, normally before the game, your kickers go out and they kick from different distances, from different hash marks at different field goals on different ends. And and the coach will tell you, hey, he was good from here uh, from 60. He was good from here on this hash from this, this amount of yards. So I'm certain he got that information. However, you had three timeouts. You had Russell Wilson. It's fourth and five. Get the five yards, man. Yeah. Call a timeout. Say preserve some of that time. Call a timeout. 
pick up the five yards, call another timeout if you're still in bounds, and now you give yourself with one timeout to make another play downfield to either get in, in, in closer field goal range or to potentially score. I think it was just too much information. And for a, a first-year head coach, it's probably a mistake that he won't make again, but it's a it's a crucial and critical mistake because every single game in the NFL is, is extremely important. And McManus is going to hit from 54 like it's a chip he, he, shot. He if will. they get 10 more yards, yeah. yep. McManus hits the field goal. Indeed. And they so win the game. It, it, you, you don't take the ball out of your, your best player's hand in that, in that moment to kick a 64-yard field goal. That's a very long field goal, mm-hmm. Randy, and, and a very tough field goal in an environment that is extremely loud and raucous and a lot of things going on. I would have liked to see them pick up the first down or at least attempt to pick up the first down rather than kicking a 64-yard field goal. That's Kerry Davis. Some people call him Casey Davis. I'm Randy <laughs> Some Carriker. Some people do. <laughs> and Some people call him that. I just, I think if you call him that, just, it's just, just one person calls me that. intelligence that most people just can't handle. It's, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we've got NFL news and notes coming your way. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for some NFL news and notes on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. A lot going on after week one of this NFL season. And Kerry T.J. Watt got some good news in the initial assessment of what I thought when he first grabbed his pec the other day was a torn pec. He's not going to need surgery, according to sources with the Steelers. And they're optimistic that he can return this season, perhaps in as little as six weeks, according to NFL Network. That's a huge loss and would be a huge not season-ending loss for the Steelers. Yeah, that's that's a a crucial thing. If he's able to come back in six weeks or so and and not have to miss the entire season, not have to go under the knife, um, it definitely helps give this defense something to look forward to. Obviously, him out for the next few weeks is going to be a tough task, and they're going to have to find people to to, to put in and and make sure that they can hold up his end. Um, But to not lose him for the entire season is definitely a uh, a blessing for the Steelers and, and something that I'm sure they were not expecting. Do you think the Steelers can still be good defensively without him? Um, I think so. I, I think, you know, Cam Hayward and, 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 and Minka are still there. Minka's I think Minka, Minka is a stud. He's a guy that, you know, is all over the place. He's the one that blocked the kick to send it into overtime uh, on Sunday. I think they can still be good. I, my question has always been for the last few years, the outside, the corners, how well can they hold up? Because Minka can only do so much back there on the back end. If they're able to hold up, obviously they're going to have to hold up a little bit longer mm-hmm. now without Watt uh, not chasing down quarterbacks. But I do think defensively they're still sound enough to, to not give up big plays in the pass game and, and shut down run. And so maybe only six weeks for TJ. And by the way, if you don't remember, in back-to-back years, Orlando Pace suffered a torn pec, and he was never the same. And it's different for an offensive lineman when right. you're trying to use that arm bar. Right. But if you're trying to pass rush, you still got to use it as big well. Deal. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. It, 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 when you are in that interior line, when you are a defensive lineman, offensive lineman, and you use your hands and 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 your biceps, and and you have to move grown men that are 300 pound plus or or 260 pounds, it's extremely difficult. So it's going to be even when he does come back. I wouldn't have high expectations of how he's going to perform because he, it's still going to be painful. It's still going to be times where you're going to feel like maybe I'm I'm about to tear it again or it is torn and it's still going to be sore. So 
I'm glad that he he will have a presence back on this team in six to six weeks, probably six to eight weeks, somewhere around there. But I wouldn't have high expectations when he comes right back. If you had to go to bed last night and didn't see Seahawks safety Jamal Adams carted off in the second quarter, he suffered what Pete Carroll has deemed a serious injury to his left quad, probably a torn yep. quad, which is a season ender. He was hurt last year. At, uh, at the end of the season, missed the last five games. He's missed nine games over two years with Seattle. He just can't stay healthy. Really good player, Jamal Adams is. But those quads are tough to come back from, too. You tear a quad, you tear a hamstring. It's, it's going to be and it's gonna be some time of, of rehab. And it's not even when you even when you just pull a hamstring or a quad, it never feels healthy. It, it always feels like you're straining it or pulling it, even when you're trying tr- start to try to run full speed. So if he's torn it, which he said, Pete Carroll said it's a significant injury, which you would have to assume that it is more than likely torn. It's going to be potentially surgery and and a lot of rehab for him. It, it, it's it's tough when you are a guy that plays that physical and and your body it just doesn't seem to hold up at times. It, Bob Sanders comes to mind when I yeah. think of of safeties that just play with reckless abandonment and and threw their bodies into people um and aren't were, was not able to just sustain. And I think Jamal Adams is in that in that mode because he's not able he's been injured often when he since he's been in Seattle. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott thumb surgery he will miss 6 to 8 weeks. So, former Cowboy quarterback Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer of ESPN, where do the Cowboys go from here? I'm not sure they really know. There was a lot of optimism in Dallas coming into this season for a lot of reasons. And after one night, and not only because of the injury to Dak Prescott, that's a big part of it, but they also got exposed in some some other areas and maybe some decisions on personnel uh, as far as why they were shorthanded going into week one at some of the skill positions and not really able to compete uh, at the level that you would expect for a team that does have playoff and Super Bowl aspirations. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do, what's the quarterback situation going to look like, is it going to be Cooper Rush, but whatever it is, we've seen this act before. We've seen where when Dak Prescott's gone down, the season has been lost. And this season could get lost if they don't do something before he comes back. So uh, they're they're working ex- overtime right now in Dallas, I can assure you. Well, I can tell you where they go from here. To the front of the draft. <laughs> Number one pick. <Yeah. laughs> they are and they don't need a quarterback, so it actually will work out well for them. You can trade that number one pick for some 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 extra draft capital and help that offensive mm-hmm. line, help the, the 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 secondary or the defensive line. You have a lot of things that you can uh, uh, you probably might want to spend a couple of draft picks on that offensive line because of the injuries that you sustained. Like you said yesterday, they went from one of the top offensive lines in the in the National Football League to a who's who of, of offensive linemen. And they are going to have a long season if they can't run the ball protect the quarterback which clearly they can't because they got he broke his thumb on 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 a defender's hand who was in the backfield as he's throwing. Yeah. Uh it's going to be a long season. So to answer Troy's question, I know where they go. They go to the front of the draft. And they're happy in Philadelphia this morning because oh, yeah. they've got a clear path to that division title now. I already felt like they were the clear-cut winners in that division. I didn't think that the Giants would be you know, any, any trouble for them. I definitely didn't think the Cowboys would. And I think right now, the way that they played, they have a lot of that now. They got to stop some people because Detroit put up thirty-five on them and and came back in that game. But I think I think Philly 
as you said, woke up yesterday morning. Whew, yeah, uh, thank you. Good. We're, mm-hmm. we're ready to roll and and know that they have a solid team. But Dallas, it. I don't feel bad for them because <laughs> they're Dallas. I, they're yeah. Dallas. Like, why would you feel bad for Dallas? It, it is what it is. Elijah Mitchell, the starting running back for the 49ers, will miss about two months. He suffered an MCL sprain in the loss to the Bears on Sunday, so they'll have to play Jeff Wilson, the backup running back. And I'm sure Tommy Pham is keeping a close eye on this because Elijah Mitchell will wind up on somebody's (laughs) injury list, right? (laughs) And you don't want to be in center field getting slapped, I'm sure. So pay attention to what's going on. I don't know who, who needs to hear this, but if you're with Tommy Pham and his fantasy football Make sure you don't make any mistakes, okay? You don't want to get slapped in center field next season. That's just my personal opinion. I, 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 that's my advice from me to you. Pay attention to what's going on. And, CD, one other note, and this is it, – it's so easy and so fun to mock the Jets. And they're one of the few teams that gets mocked on the evening comedy shows because they're just so historically bad. And – I guess you get upset sometimes when you see and hear all the people mocking you. And that's exactly what Robert Sala has done. He's gotten upset and he's fighting back. You just feel the team getting faster and faster and faster. And you're going to see it on, on, on tape. You're, as you're watching TV, it's more like, damn, these guys are flying around and they're making plays and they're talking smack. And it's, you know, like, it's like the first half of the game. The, when you look at the defensive side, uh, just the first half of the game, and even the offense, the way it was moving the ball, but it just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Like when those those little errors that the offense was was having in the first half stop happening, it's going to be explosive, and then it carries on to the second half. You're you're just going to feel it, uh, and and in a way, it, it does just click where you're just stacking up day after day after day, and um, and it's really really cool when it does happen because it, it just absolutely pops off the tape, and uh, and I know it's going to happen. And I'm and I'm taking. We're, we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts, and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. Okay, a couple of things, Coach. <laughs> Lo- love you, Coach. I hope right. you succeed. Number one, you don't have enough good players to uh, succeed, and for those receipts to be cashed in. The other thing <laughs> is, when a head coach uses the term "little errors." That's a red flag for me because the best coaches say there's no such thing as a little error. Right. Right. There, there are there are errors. There are things that we have to fix, things that we have to do better, uh, be better at. And, and if you continue to make those little errors, guess what? They become big errors. I remember hearing a story about Don Shula. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of his assistants, he made, and you've been through this in practice, Kerry. He made his offense run a play in training camp like seven times. And they kept making the same mistake. And one of his assistants said, Coach, come on, let's just move on to the next thing. It's a minor error. And Shula glared at him and said, there's no such thing as a yeah, minor error. There aren't. Because eventually, <laughs> because when if it's a minor error, when the lights come on, when it when it's when when things change from the defense and you're being blitzed in a certain it, it, it will become a big error. And, and in football and this, I tell my, my kids this all the time. Football is not something you play around with, because if you're doing the wrong thing, you can get hurt. Or you can yeah. get someone else hurt by not paying attention or not being in the right place at the right time. So small errors become big errors and people get hurt because of errors. So it's never something minor. If you see it, you have to correct it. And I would say to, to Robert Sala, who cares what anyone else is saying? Yeah. You are the head coach of an NFL football team. 
why do you care if they make skits about you on on different uh, uh, sites or, or or they're talking about you? I don't know if it's SNL or the back page. You're also in New York. Sir, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's part. That's part of it. Like you have to have thick skin in order to be in that in that atmosphere with that football franchise and understand that it's going to be some tough times because we ain't done nothing, right? And I <laughs> do hope, something. I, I hope they win you won't have that problem. He, he has a great personality. Clearly cares. That's one of the reasons that Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite coaches. Is because. He'll, he fights for you guys. Yeah, he does. You, know? he, he, you love coaches. I, Dan Campbell, I will put in that in, yeah, that same, yep. in that same regard. I like coaches that are honest with you, make sure you know what you need to do, and, and hold you accountable and hold you to that standard. And if I'm, as I said, Robert Sala, focus on the men in your building, not focus on the things outside of the building that are on TV or on websites or on the computer. It, 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 you, you get down in the rabbit hole, you'll be stuck, and you can't get out of it. So just focus on what you got to do. By the way, he says he's saving receipts. You know, whenever I clean my car, I find like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 receipts, and I throw, yeah, them, all throw away. them away. Don't you? <laughs> I never save receipts. You Listen. look at it and say, "What is this? I don't even remember that." When I, when I was listening to that clip, my first, my first thought was, "Was Coach Sal, who are you trying to convince, me or you?" He's like, "Yeah, you can right. see it and just pops off the tape." Yeah. And speaking of the receipt, it's spelled R O C C H I O. There you go. Those are NFL news and notes on. Uh, 101 ESPN. It is the opening drive coming up. We're going to talk some Cardinal baseball with Stan McNeil of Cardinal Magazine. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Sam McNeil from Cardinals Magazine and the Cardinals Yearbook joins us as he does uh, on a regular basis here on 101 ESPN. Stan, good morning. How are you doing? I'm great, Randy, and uh, for the record, I think that was a bad decision by the Denver coach last night. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. I, I can hear that, Gary. The, the only person in America that doesn't is Russell Wilson, Clearly. who loves everything. <laughs> Even Nathaniel thinks it was the wrong decision now. <laughs> right. Hey, Stan, near as I can tell, the first Major League Baseball game was played on May 4th, 1871. So we've got 150 years of baseball under our belts. And here we are tomorrow with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina being the only pair of pitcher and catcher batteries to start as many as they have started together. What we're seeing, I don't think we should take for granted because not only has it not happened in the first 150 years of baseball, but it's not going to happen again. You're absolutely right about that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a really kind of interesting record because I'm with you. To me, it's a big deal. We're never going to see this again. But yet, you know, Last week, Wayno lost. You know, they lost that. He didn't pitch that well. And after the game, they tied the record. It didn't. It felt like a little bit odd, you know. And I mean, and Adam even said because he didn't pitch very well. So uh, let's hope tomorrow that uh, we get a W out of that, so we can really enjoy that uh, that three twenty five. When you started doing the the yearbook, the Cardinals yearbook, and and decided on Wayno, did you know that that I mean, obviously you knew that this was a possibility, but how do you write that into to the entire yearbook and the story of, of Wainwright, his career, and this season and what it means? You know, we've seen this coming. I think it's been like in 2016, 
six years ago. That's when they passed Gibby and Tim McCarver for the Cardinals record. And that was a big deal at that point, you know. And at that, you think, you know, what you start looking at, what, what is the all-time record? And you think 325. And, the, you know, the Cardinal record was like 198, 199. So that's still been, you know, well over 100 starts since then. And you just kind of marvel at the fact that they just keep going out there and, you know, performing at the level that they have been. And uh, the other part of this, we, we talk a lot about Adam, but the fact that Yadier Molina could crouch down as many times as he has and still be doing it is truly amazing. It's incredible. You know, and I've, I've asked Yadier about that several times over the years. And, you know, I, I think that you, gotta, you have to be blessed to have strong legs genetically there, but uh, he also just puts in so much work and, you know, so much work. But uh, I just think of all that crouching and my knees just hurt (laughs) just at the thought of it. Stan, just waking up in the morning at 41, (laughs) my right leg for some reason does not work work well for the first 10 to 15 minutes. So I I couldn't imagine being behind that plate every single night. Uh, When you, when you look at what, what Albert is doing and and his chase for 700 and and what it has meant for that ball club and and the younger players on that team, what have you seen from him in his return and, and, and how it has impacted those younger players? Oh, it's just been, uh, you know, like we've heard all season, it's been remarkable. And, you know, the one, one thing, Adam, uh, Albert has 18 home runs, right? How many times do you think the Cardinals have lost when he, hit, when he homers all season? They've lost one game when he's at a home run this year, wow. which, uh, you know, that shows you he's not just hitting them when they don't count. He, and the last, you know, the last handful of them have really kind of been the difference in the game. So I think that, you know, him out there, him, Doing that, that that teaches those guys as much as anything. But yeah, he's uh, always uh, always in the clubhouse, and the young guys. It's so funny to hear all of these kids. You know, some of them grew up uh, in California, some of them in Texas, and like Albert was my favorite player growing up. You know, I used to idolize that guy, and now sharing a dugout with him, it's just uh, it's just remarkable. Yeah, we were we were talking yesterday. I think four of his last five home runs have been to tie the game or or take the lead, uh, which is as you said, it's, it it speaks to how well he's playing and how crucial these moments are. It's not like he's just hitting fluff home runs late in games when they're up by six or seven runs. He's hitting impactful home runs and helping this team win games and helping this team take this lead in the division. No doubt about it. And, and you and you wonder, you know, I mean, Albert is such a good hitter. We've always said he was a great hitter with power, not a power hitter. But at what point does he go up there trying to hit a home run? You know, I mean, he's three away from 700. Does he does he do? How can he not be going up there trying to hit a home run? But, you know, he's just that disciplined a hitter, I guess, that uh, he's able to just hit the ball hard. And as we see, a lot of them are going uh, going out of the ballpark these days. And Stan, going back to his relationship with kids, that's another thing that we can't take for granted because I remember, for example, when Brett Favre down the stretch of his career, he was 40, and he he's admitted, he said, I don't relate to these 23, 24, 25-year-olds anymore. And they actually gave him a separate locker room area mm-hmm. because they, he just didn't have anything in common with the kids. And Albert has embraced being with these kids and sharing his information, unlike very few veterans ever have. Yeah, I mean, and I really think that was one of the reasons why he came back, you know. I mean, because he, he has said that from day one. He was here to help his team win a championship, and part of that was going to be helping the young players, you know, just kind of show them the way. 
And as we've seen, you know, since March 28th when he signed, uh, I don't think uh, anyone could have uh, hoped that this could have worked out any better. When you look around, and it looks like the Dodgers and the Mets are going to get the, well, the Dodgers and the Mets or the Braves are going to get the buys, but would you be surprised seeing what we're seeing now, and there's still three weeks to go before we get to the postseason, but would you be surprised to see the Dodgers and or the Mets lose in the playoffs? At this point, you know, it, it's funny because you look at these these teams that have been up there all year, like the Dodgers and the Mets, and they're kind of, uh, you know, they're not playing their best right now. And then meanwhile, the Cardinals, you know, things kind of just are trending in the right direction still for them. So uh, the National League playoffs are going to be really interesting. I mean, to me, I think the Braves are probably the scariest team just because of their starting pitching. But, uh, you know, like I said, all the power teams there, they kind of have – shown some chinks in the armor here lately and uh except for the cardinals who just kind of keep marching in the right direction yeah you're talking about starting pitching jordan montgomery uh the addition of him has has really solidified that starting rotation what have you seen from him and and how how has his arrival impacted this team you know, don't ask him about the Yankees anymore. Don't ask him about New York. You know, and the other thing, uh, you see the nice little beard he's growing nowadays. You know, I mean, he, he was looking forward to that, I think, from the time he got traded. Because, you know, you can't you have to be clean shaven on the Yankees. So he's got the beard going. And, uh, you know, there's no question that uh, we're seeing the difference Yadier Molina has made in a pitcher just for the, you know, the fact that he's throwing inside fastballs so much and and Montgomery says the Yankees didn't want me to do that here he's doing it and look what's happening yeah I was going to say that they 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 said his uh when he got here Yachty was looking at his fastball and asking him why he wasn't throwing it as much and it's because the Yankees told him they didn't want him to throw that pitch which is actually one of his better pitches so obviously maybe that that is part of the reason why he's having so much success here uh with the Cardinals and helping them out in this rotation no doubt you know I mean he's I mean he's pitched well every every time out he's a guy that you know, he has pretty good swing and miss stuff. He also keeps the ball down, you know, and he's just, uh, I think he's kind of fit in very well in the clubhouse here. And, you know, when you're, when you're pitching as well as him, how can you not? But uh, that's been, to me, that's been a, one of the real encouraging signs for this team as it heads into October is you've got a guy now that, you know, he might not be Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer, but he's, you know, he's trending towards the top of the rotation type pitcher. Stan, the Cardinal yearbook is a sensational keepsake for any Cardinal fan, and the Cardinal magazine is always terrific. How can people get a hold of them? You can uh, get it at the ballpark, and you should be going to the ballpark for these last 10 home games here, or at least one of them. Or you can uh, go online to uh, cardinals.com slash publications or slash magazine. All right. Stan, always good to have you with us. Thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. That's Stan McNeil from the Cardinal Magazine and the Cardinal Yearbook, cardinals.com slash publications. And we've mentioned it before, but if you haven't heard, these are like really high-level, expensive paper, great color photograph magazines, the, the, the yearbook and the magazine, that are really worth having. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? You like- 
like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy, CD. Seven-game homestand. Brewers for two and then five against the Reds over the weekend. We're in the prediction business. Take it or leave it. By the end of the seven-game homestand, Albert Pujols will have hit three home runs. I'm going to leave it because I was going to say two. Okay. He'll hit two. Okay, so it'll be at 699 as they head out on the road. Yes. They'll probably hit 700 on the West Coast. uh, If it's in L.A., that's cool. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not here. Right. But it would be awesome if it was. But I I think he'll get two in this seven-game stretch and then just need one more, baby. There's a prediction. Good. There you go. I have on our screen there is a young man starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers in Trey Lance, and his backup is a – Super Bowl contender, two-time NFC uh, participator mm-hmm. at quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Take it or leave it. Uh, Trey Lance got about three more weeks before Jimmy G is the 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 new and old starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Kerry, I got I got to take that. I'm gonna, I, I am, uh, and Trey Lance, uh, I, I give him a total pass for Sunday in the rain in Chicago. Nobody could play, but even when it was dry, he didn't look good. There have been grumblings about who he is, what he is, and and sometimes with Jimmy G, they weren't thrilled with his ability or inability to make the big throw, doesn't have the big arm, and can't stretch the field. Well, Trey can stretch the field, but if he's not completing those passes, what difference does it make? So I, I will take it as well. Yeah. I think at three to four weeks, if, it, if he's not performing, Jimmy G, they didn't re-sign him for no reason. And if especially at that position, right? If everybody in the room loves the one guy yeah. that has already led them to success. It's really tough for the new guy it will when be. the guy everybody loves is the backup. <laughs> it definitely is. All right, your text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Mr. Unlimited would have made that field goal. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unlimited. Yeah, he was made it from 74. Oh, man. Ah, uh, oh. man. Just, that, so until Chuck's last year, right, was it, wasn't it last year that Tucker hit the all-time record of 65? Uh, yes. So until last year, that would have been a record yes. field goal that they yes. tried to win the game with last night. And and I will I – will, I guess he kind of tried to hedge it a little bit. He said, we have the best kicker in the world, maybe, possibly. Something, no, you don't. That, that no, kicker is, is yeah. in Baltimore. Tuck, Tucker's the best. <laughs> right. I believe in everything. I believe in that. that I'll tell you what. I'd be people, for that. A people like comment, that man. make me a little nervous. Again, <laughs> again Salah kind of sounded like it. Russell Wilson sounded like it, too. Why are NFL people starting to sound kind of cultish? It's, uh, it, it, people, when people talk like that, it, it makes me a little nervous to yeah. be around. What are you doing, sir? What, what's going on with you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> take it, take it or leave it. Because of the soft tossing reliever as the opener, Pujols gets to start against a righty. Oh, I'm going to leave it simply because of their bullpen, the the Milwaukee bullpen. I don't. I think it'd be interesting. But here's the thing: Matt Bush pitches the first inning, and Albert has a chance to not see him. They'll set there, up b- unless you put him up in the rotate in, in the in the, in the starting lineup. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's going to be problematic. Take it or leave it. If it weren't for the COVID-shortened season, where Albert Pujols hit six home runs, by the way, we'd be talking about Albert passing Babe Ruth. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll that's take a good it. call. 714? Yeah. Because I mean, let's say he'd, he'd have, let's say best case scenario, he probably has six six or seven more, maybe 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 eight more. And so then he'd yeah. be talking about, you know, like 704 right now. And so he'd be, I mean. Yeah, might have had more. Yeah. yeah. What did he do in the, I, I don't even know six. what he did. Six. I think, six, six, I think it was six home runs. Yeah, and, so he might have hit 18 then, that season. Yeah, that's true. Because you got to think, at that point, his his career low at that point was only was 17. Um, even with, and it hit the next year in 2021 with the Angels, he hit what, 23? Uh, no, sorry, he hit 17 the next year with, yeah. with total. So, so he hit six. Yeah, he hit six. He would have gone 17 then. So yeah, probably 17. So we're he'd talking have 11 more right now. Yeah, he'd be he'd be challenging that. That'd yeah. be God. That'd be fun. I mean, I honestly hadn't even thought about that. That person kind of just bummed me out a little bit. I wonder if his the career trajectory might have changed if he was approaching 700. If the Angels keep him around rather than DFA, no last question. Year. Oh, that's yeah. A good they, point. they want that record on yeah. their on their books and not anyone else's. Right. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Mo is already thinking about the best defensive catcher to trade for in advance of the 23 season. I'll take that. Who would that be? Jacob Stallings, Miami Marlins. Dad from Collinsville. Kevin Stallings. Okay. The former Collinsville coach and uh, coached at Vandy, coached at Pitt. Uh, So Jacob has family members here. He's got a year left. I've already been thinking about this. I don't know why Mo hasn't, <laughs> if he hasn't. A uh, year left before free agency, so he's a classic Marlin to be traded, and I think he'd be a really nice interim mentor, seat-warm kind of guy. There was a, a report or, or rumors about Wilson Contreras possibly being the next Cardinals catcher. What, what would you? How would you feel about that, him coming in here from the Cubs, obviously, and yeah. and, and Taking Yachty's spot. I don't care about the Cubs part of it. Okay, me neither. But from what we hear, Contreras, if they had gone to the automated strike zone for next year, it would be great. But he's not great at framing pitches. Apparently does not have a great relationship with pitchers, which is so anti-Cardinal, right? Anti-catcher as well. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) So I I would not be completely thrilled with Wilson Contreras. Okay. I want to... I want that guy that. But you know is, he's going to hit. Yeah, I want he, the defense he, first guy. Okay. Though. I, I want right. the guy who's going to handle a pitching staff and block balls in the dirt. And talk to the pitchers. Yeah, right. And have a relationship. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Jordan Montgomery becomes the workforce for the Cardinals and remains a Cardinal for the rest of his career. I'll take it. I'll take that as well. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm I'm so excited to watch him perform it. And the the hearing Stan talk about. Jordan growing his beard out like mm-hmm. so we take things for granted when you are in certain places and at, at working at certain companies when you can't be yourself it it, it limits your production and yeah. you're not able to have the success that you want to I think he's you know letting his hair down so to speak here growing his hair out in his face and 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 having a good time pitching the pitches that he's comfortable with mm-hmm. and having a success with 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 this ball club and all of the things that are going on it, it, it's not and it's probably not as much pressure as it would be in New York to to, right, right. to do it every single night. Two observations about Jordan Montgomery. Number one, Jordan, I know you're listening because everybody does. I love the <laughs> fact that you're pissed when they come to get the ball, right? <laughs> when, when they take you out of the game and you're mad every single time. You should be. I, I, I love that. I love that, that competitive, competitive fire. Yeah. Another thing about Jordan Montgomery, and I, I don't know what Jack Flaherty is going to become. I hope that Jack Flaherty winds up being the guy that follows in the footsteps of Daryl Kyle and Matt Morris and Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright. And 
the guy that Michael Walker was supposed to be and takes the leadership role in this starting rotation. But I could absolutely see with his personality, Jordan Montgomery being that guy that follows in the footsteps of Wayno and becomes the leader of the rotation, which is a cardinal tradition. Yes, I, I, that's how, that's the mindset when you read that text. That's kind of what I was thinking, kind of a, the guy that becomes the ace. And, and you see what he's doing every time he goes out there. As you said, you're you're extremely upset when you when when Ali comes and takes the ball from you because you believe in you yourself, you believe in the competitive nature that you have, and you're going to get guys out, even though you may have been struggling up until that point. I love guys that that are uh, that that are ready to damn near fight, brawl yeah. with 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 whoever wants to come take that that away from There's them. There's a little Chris Carpenter there. I, I enjoy that. That I don't know if you know this, Randy, but I got a little bit of Chris Carpenter <laughs> yeah, in me I too. Know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of the Yankees and everything, I'm just glad Carrie didn't play baseball because oh, having listen. to shave that beard would have been a oh, crime no. against yeah. nature. Yeah, it would have been bad. Come yeah, on, going now. on introductions in Pittsburgh, man, with the hair going. I did. Did yeah. you really? I have to show you a picture. Yeah. I, gotta, I don't was, remember what, what was, was your beautiful. hair like back then. I had, I, had, I had dreadlocks. I had locks, and it was you long. You did, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I will that show you a picture. That makes a lot more so, sense to me, man. And, and they awesome. would fly around during the introduction. <laughs> it was beautiful. That's awesome. God, that's a, that's a great. i got to see one of those videos. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The cards topple the Braves and or Mets in advance to the NLCS. <sighs> How many games back? Well, they're, they're I think, they're, I think they're saying, well, this is for the playoffs. Yeah, oh, for the playoffs. Playoff. Yeah. I meant for the, so, for the two seed. So okay. Beat, yeah, take beat, beat the Padres in the first round take and it. then beat the Braves or the Mets. I'm going to take that, too. You I'll only have it. to go four and three. That's that's the way you look at it. You go four and three. You can play one game over 500. You can move on. And the way that they have been playing, why wouldn't you believe that it's possible? Right. They are Obviously, you would say that the, the Mets are, are a better team or the Braves are a better team on paper. Mm-hmm. But when you get down to it, there is – I talk about it all the time. Analytics can only take you so far because the will of a man, Randy, is is more important at times. And I, I think that this Cardinal team has has a lot of, of something inside of them and it's going to be a fun playoff run. And I know it's real early. But I can tell you right now that if you're going to beat the Mets – You've got to beat them in the seventh and eighth inning, eighth innings because whether it's Degrom or or Scherzer or Carrasco, they're going to make it a tough game for six innings at right. least, right? So I figure you're one one after six. You got to do it in the seventh and the eighth because you aren't beating Diaz in the ninth. Yeah. So you need to get a one one game or be ahead, find a way to scratch out a run, be up two one. And just avoid being behind with Diaz coming into the game in the ninth. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Next up, how concerned should we be about the recent struggles of Miles Michaelis? And how does that affect the postseason rotation? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Eight oh five in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocky, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive, and we're going to get to the Cardinals in a moment. But we've been throughout the course of the morning during breaks talking about Carrie Davis during introductions for Steeler games back in his playing days. And by the way, you, I'm sure the crowd exploded louder for you than everybody else. You're the fullback. They love the fullback in Pittsburgh when the offense is being introduced. Well, I guess Ben. Ben, ben. Yeah. Hines. 
Those guys were very pretty but loud. Here's the them. thing: it's not introductions, <laughs> but it's Renegade. Tell us about oh, Sticks and Renegade, and what will always be Heinz Field. I, I, it will always be Heinz Field. I don't even know how to. I don't know what this new field is. We won't call it anything other than Heinz Field. Acupuncture. Uh, I, I, there you go. That's what it is. Acquisure, <laughs> Acquisire, or who knows? But either way, Renegade is a song that comes on midway through the third quarter when the defense is on the field. And it is it is the the if you want to know what what NFL football or what Pittsburgh Steelers football is about, you have to go to this is my this is my tutorial for for all fans that that are interested in Steelers football. Go to a night game. Preferably in the in the in the December, January, when it's cold outside, Monday night, Sunday night, even a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. When the Steelers are, are doing well, because they generally are. We're a pretty good team. Pretty good franchise, if you don't know. Um, and and when the third quarter comes around, if they're losing, if, we're, if they're winning, Renegade plays and the entire stadium goes absolutely crazy. And there's a video on the board that that is playing when the when the beat hits it it's the big hits of the season and those people are are it is it is the most amazing thing and when that song plays there's a stat I don't know how many on that drive in particular there's a stat and I, I would have to find it but it's very rare that the opposing offense gets a touchdown gets points on that really? drive because the the stadium just transforms into something that is is. It's completely different. And so that would be my go-to-a-night game in Pittsburgh, December, January. Mm-hmm. You can go in November, late November, where it's cold outside, where you can see your breath. And and Renegade will play in the third quarter at some point when the defense is on the field, and that entire stadium will go absolutely crazy. We need to do an opening drive trek to oh, Pittsburgh man. for a yes. game. Indeed. Yeah. Night game. If it, yeah, a Thursday night Thursday game. Thursday night I game. Do the show from up there. Yes. Let's do it. I'm all for it. Never seen an NFL game outside of St. Louis. Oh, okay. Oh, you got to so go to Pittsburgh. Will, will dress it, dress appropriately. It'll have, to be, <laughs> it'll have to be December because the Hazelwood Central Hawks are playing until the last there weekend. There you in go. There you go. Indeed. <laughs> I would do, I've been to two college games in Arrowhead, but I've never been to an NFL game outside of oh, St. Really? Louis. You yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Start knocking you that have out. to. You have to see it. I was I was in Pittsburgh when the bus ran over the Rams after they traded them. <laughs> it, was <laughs> ugly. It, it, it was it was forty degrees and Rich Burks is wearing this giant parka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was ugly. Yeah. Okay, so the Cardinals play against the Milwaukee Brewers tonight, and they're starting Jordan Montgomery. But this is a discussion about Miles Michaelis, who in his last 10 starts, the Cardinals have gone 6-4. and four. He started against the Pirates, the Cubs three times, the Reds twice, Diamondbacks, Brewers, Rockies, and Nationals. Nothing he can do about the opponents. However, in those games, his record is 4-4. Four and four. He's thrown 61 innings, and he has a 5.16 earned run average against not the best lineups in the yeah. world. So should we con- be concerned? We look at the overall record of Miles Michaelis this year, and you say, okay, I can accept that as my guy that starts the third game of the playoffs. How concerned are you, Kerry? I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm too concerned. Obviously, you don't want to give up that many runs in that time frame against those teams. Uh, when you're looking at his walks-to-strikeout ratio, it's, it's not – terrible he's doing he's not putting people on base he's not walking batter so it's sometimes it's just good hit balls or 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 just a hit ball that is a CNI single that gets through I think that happened when he played the uh the, the Diamondbacks a few weeks ago where it was just some some pitches that were there's some hits that were just 
squeaking through yeah. even and, the terrible and start in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of seeing eye. It, it wasn't like they were they were it wasn't hard hit balls, right? right. He, was, he was being bitten to death by ducks. There it was one go. of those games. <laughs> exactly. You know? At death by a thousand paper cuts. Exactly, I think. Yeah. It's just some things where you just, sometimes the ball isn't going your way and, and, and you get, they hit it where they ain't. And sometimes that takes place. I wouldn't, I'm not overly concerned, but I do think, you know, as we head to this to this stretch run, getting ready for the playoffs, you do need to see more success out of them. You do need to see better games, better outings, and 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 being able to you know have quality starts, six, seven innings where you know you're putting it all together. Because come playoff time, you don't want to tax that bullpen early. You don't want to have your guys out there because you can only go three and a third or or, or four right. and two thirds. You want to make sure that you're putting together solid outings every single time and and. This is an opportunity coming up for him to get that get that going. And the one thing that I know about Miles, and by the way, he's giving the Cardinals innings this year. He's already given them 181 innings, which is phenomenal. Uh, he's led the league with 29 starts, which is fantastic. So you, you've got to be happy with what he's done so far in 2022. But in 181 innings, he has only walked 33. So that's pretty darn good. You have to be happy with that overall body of work at a 3.42 earned run average. Again, overall body of work right. I, I like. And I, I'm more inclined to look at the overall body of work. I know I probably shouldn't heading into the playoffs. I should look at the most recent. But the, the most recent is still, yeah, you got the 5.16 ERA that was blown up by the Colorado game. Right. Uh, I, I'm still looking at him as one of my top three guys. Well, you, you like I said, it. you would hope that in his next start you get to see some, some things starting to trend in the right direction. What you don't want to see is more of the same when he, when he goes out there against Cincinnati in a couple of days yeah. where he is – because then you believe, you may start to believe maybe it's fatigue. Maybe all those innings are starting to wear on him and he's not able to hit his location or with the same velocity as he had you know, earlier in the season. So that, that would be, his next start on Thursday will be a crucial point to kind of have a, have a real idea of where he is, if he's trending in the right direction, or mm-hmm. if, if what we've seen in these last few starts is where he is at this point. And then you may become a little bit more worried. And he's second in all of Major League Baseball with the 181 innings. And I, I know that this shouldn't be a factor, but it is. He's barely pitched in the two years before this right. year. So he's still coming back from the arm injuries. And my guess is that the Cardinals will find a few more ways to give him an extra day off if he needs it. Yeah, maybe maybe a, a sixth, sixth man rotation for, yeah. for a day, you know, just to slide that extra extra starter in there to give each one of them an extra day off. Um, but like I said, this next start is going to be crucial and it's going to be extremely critical to see where he is and and they're playing against the he'll be playing he'll be starting against the Reds. Mm-hmm. We've seen <laughs> this Reds team throughout the season not a not a lineup that strikes fear in opponents. Um so a great opportunity to get your stuff going and get it going in the right direction. Uh it may be more concerning for me after Thursday night if I see something that I say oh it, it, it we are in trouble. But as for right now, I'm I'm still comfortable in where he is in the rotation um let me ask you this randy is he your second or third starter if we were to start the playoffs right now i want to delay his first road start as much as i can because the splits are so dramatic so for me he starts game two and for 
It's also a coin flip for me between Wayno and Montgomery for Game Three. I think because who's your, Adam, one? Who's your number one? It, it, pro, either Wayno or Montgomery. One okay. Of the, oh, so, okay. I so guess, if I, guess, I start okay. Adam in Game One, he's then, dominant then at Montgomery's. home, and and he's earned it, right? Right. Adam Wainwright has earned your Game One start in the playoffs. Then I go with Michaelis two, and that way, if Michaelis doesn't win, I either have Montgomery set up for Game Three right. to win that series, or I have him set up to pitch Game One of the DS. There you go. Okay, so that's why I'm going with Michaelis as my my number two guy. But you need to see you need to see it these next couple of stars. These next couple of I want him to pitch on the coast too. I want him to see either. I'd love to have to see him against the Padres. Yeah, because I know I'm going to be playing. Right, see what he can do. Yep, that is Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and uh, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, week one of the NFL is complete. Four downs. We'll react to some of the things that happened in the NFL next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Yes, you got to look it up on YouTube. It is, if if you don't make it there personally, <laughs> you got to look it up on YouTube and and experience that moment because it goes crazy. It is so cool. <laughs> it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and now time for four downs. First down. All right, CD, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 164 yards and a touchdown. And the Giants, the Giants rallied in the battle of uh, Brooke Grimsley versus Chris Kerber. <laughs> the Giants win it by a score of 21-20 over the Titans. Not a great day, by the way, for the Titans offensive yeah. Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he threw a couple of touchdown passes, but uh, there, there were some misses in those 13 incompletions that he had. But the, the big question is, is Saquon Barkley back to where he was as a rookie, and can that be enough for the Giants to be competitive? Well, if he is, he is going to be a spectacular player. I think coming into the coming into his career, he was highly touted, number two overall pick, and and just been bit by the injury bug for the last couple of years. He is a spectacular football player, and and as I've said, as a freshman, when I watched him at Penn State, had the biggest calves I've ever seen in my life on mm-hmm. a human being, and just just watching him and how he plays the game of football, you know that he's he loves the game of football. He's passionate about it, and. I hope a healthy a healthy Saquon Barkley is good for the New York Giants. It's the one thing, well, not the one thing. It's one of the things that they've been missing over the last couple of years. Um, it's one game, so I don't want to overreact too much. But I do, I do like what he was able to do. I do like Brian Dayball saying, "I'm going for the two. We are the Giants. Mm-hmm. We yep. are at Tennessee. We, no one expects us to be in this position, anyways. We might as well go for the win and and get it done, giving it to your guy." I was excited about that for the New York Giants. And normally, if you are a new regime, you have a new GM, you have a new coach, and you have a quarterback that has struggled, normally, you go out and get a different quarterback, right? To give yourself a little bit more time. Daniel Jones, 17 of 21 for 188. He did throw a pick, but 17 of 21, still under siege. He was sacked five times, but... 
probably the best game of Daniel Jones' career. Probably. And, and just the completion percentage, um, not not great with the yards, but just the ability to complete the ball to his guys. Threw it to the other guy one time. Threw it to yeah, the other yeah. team one time. But two touchdowns, 188 yards. But the 17 for 21 lets you know he's taking care of the football. They're going to run the ball with Saquon Barkley. He's going to make timely decisions. He threw a deep ball to Sterling Shepard. That was a really good play. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's – they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a we're going to wait and see how you perform type of deal. Uh, I don't know that that 7 for 21 for 188 yards gets you that that no, max type no, of deal, no. but it does get you a job. Does, it, yeah. it, it does keep you with a job for the following year. Um, and like I said, if you can hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley, you're going to be okay. It just struck me. You know what that was? That was a Bill Parcells-Giants game. There you go. That's hand the exactly ball off, play was. defense, yep. and, and, and run the ball. Second down. Kerry, as a fan, I tend to forget that in the last year that Jameis Winston played in Tampa, which was only three years ago, he threw for 5,000 yards. He did, did he throw for 30, 30? Yes. He threw 30 <laughs> touchdowns, 30 interceptions. But he six did. of them to the other team. Six of them were returned, I yeah, believe. Right. For and he knocked him out of the playoffs, right? The last one. Uh, it was a pick six yeah, for a loss. Yeah. It was a he walk-off a lot of them pick to six. The other team. Yeah. But we know that the guy has ability. And last year he was hurt. But he doesn't throw a pick. He goes 23 of 34 for 269 and a couple of touchdowns and leads a comeback. To me, that was the most important thing. They score 17 points in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. Granted, it is Atlanta. But Jameis was really efficient in that game. And I wonder if he can be that way all year for them. I think Jameis gets a bad rep, obviously, for a multitude of things that that off the field. And, and he's a little... A little weird at times. Mm-hmm. Some of his ad libs and things that he says in in the in the huddles kind of look people look at him strange. Um, but at the end of the day, he did have a great season, a, a very good season with Tampa a few years ago. And last season, he was on his way to having a very good season before he tore his ACL. I think that they have some of the best probably the best skill set of players in the NFL when you have Michael Thomas, a healthy Michael Thomas, who mm-hmm. two years ago was considered the best receiver in the league. Alvin Kamara, which is a guy that you can get the ball to in any kind of way. Jarvis Landry, you draft Chris Olave, and then you have Taysom Hill, who led the team in rushing yesterday, uh, Sunday, with four for 81 and, and ripped off a 57-yarder for a touchdown. There is so many. There are so many uh, people that he can get the ball to. He just has to remember what color jersey they're wearing on that <laughs> right, Sunday right, or Monday, right. and he'll be okay. If he does not turn the ball over, which he didn't do uh, last week uh, on Sunday, if he doesn't turn the ball over, this team, it, in my opinion, is the NFC South divisional champions. I agree with you, and potentially has a has an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. That that's my early season pick. It, it looked bad, <laughs> yeah, uh, Sunday too. because they were struggling and they were down. But Jameis brought them back. They were able to kick the field goal. I, I'm excited about this team basically because of all of the skill position that they have and him getting the ball to them. Yep. And by the way, Anthony Stalter, sorry about this year. Oh <laughs> man, good luck <laughs> for your Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> Third down. All right, uh, we talked earlier in the show about the bad news for the Steelers. T.J. Watt might wind up being good news. He could only miss six weeks. He could still miss the season. But 
my fantasy team was devastated the other day when Najee Harris went down. Yeah. He's going to be good to go against the Patriots oh, on Sunday. There we go. He's playing. All right. That's yeah. good news. That's great news. I, I thought it would be a little bit longer. Uh, he was dealing with a Liz Frank injury, and, mm-hmm. and I told you yesterday, anytime you're dealing with the feet of athletes, they, you, we, there's a lot of weight, a lot of force. Playing running back, you're going to have not just you, your body weight, but you're going to have other people's body weight up against you trying to run and break through tackles. Uh, so it's going to be – it's going to be – you're going to have to keep an eye on that the entire season. I think this was an ankle that he rolled yeah. on Sunday. But the Liz Frank, the ankle, anytime you start having you know foot and ankle injuries, it's something you just have to keep an eye on. Hopefully he's completely healthy. I don't think him running the ball as many times as he did last year is going to bode well for him in no. his career. Uh, but, you know, they do have some weapons on the outside. Deontay Johnson is a, is a stud. And Mitchell Trubisky is going to extend some plays. So I, I, I think they should be – they should definitely beat the Patriots this time. You look at the, those weapons with with Johnson. Claypool looks like he's kind of back. He's he if he matures, if he from what we saw last mm-hmm. year with the the handing the ball to the celebrating on the first down when they're trying to get a, get a get a touchdown to tie the game or win the game. If he's able to mature, and and he's he's a very good football player. And then you have Pickens, and then yep. I will not be surprised if at the end of this season. If the third best tight end in the league isn't Pat Freermuth, he uh, yes, he's I mean st- Travis Kelsey and 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 who else you got else in front of him? Uh, uh, Dawson Knox, uh, Waller. Nah, yeah, I think he's going to lose some of his targets because of because of the, the Devontae yeah. Adams. But I think Pat, I think Freermuth is going to be a guy that he reminds me so much of Heath Miller, and I think he reminds Pittsburgh of so much of Heath Miller. He had his cleats had had Heath on his cleats uh, before the game on Sunday. I'm excited yeah. to see him and his career in yeah. Pittsburgh and how well he does. And by the way, a healthy George Kittle. Yeah, well, George Kittle is he, yes. You got to be healthy, healthy though, right? If he's healthy, yes. Yep. Fourth down. All right, CD. It happens on the West Coast. I don't know how many people are recognizing it, but Justin Herbert just keeps going. He, he does. just keeps going. He finds a way. Twenty six of thirty four for two seventy nine, three touchdowns, no picks, and. One uh, and they win the game against the Raiders 24 19. And Justin Herbert is putting up numbers like no other quarterback has in his first three years in the NFL. And and did it without his stud receiver, Keenan Allen, who got hurt, I believe, in the first quarter with a with a hamstring strain. Mm-hmm. So just his ability to continue to do it is is he's doing it at an elite level. And anytime you have a quarterback of another franchise in Tua Tongue of Lower where everyone is you know, a little bit upset that they drafted you over him. It, it speaks highly of who Justin, what Justin Herbert has done and, and how they envision him his entire career. I look at the future of the AFC with Herbert and Burrow. Yeah. right. At, and Mahomes is still only 26, yeah, right? right? And has done so much. In, yeah. in, in, and you got Lamar Jackson. Right. Like the AFC is stacked with, with great quarterbacks and and. The future of football is 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 in their hands. Yeah, and I, I want to do a uh, Mizzou Colorado Memorial fifth down because Mac Jones <laughs> was was Mac Jones against yes. the Dolphins. Yes. Mac Jones, if Mac Jones was put in the same situation that Tua is, he would be fine. If he had Waddle and Tyreek yeah. Hill, yeah, but he doesn't have the weapons and he can't throw the ball downfield. They haven't had receiver a receiver. Randy Moss is the one receiver that comes to mind. When you think of the Patriots and all of their their Super Bowl runs, and 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 they didn't even win a Super Bowl, right? Just the 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 receivers, the receiver position has not been great nope. in no, in no New England. Guys, Edelman no. was awesome. Yes, right? short and, intermediate yeah. routes. You know, you know, whip routes, able to break down man to man. But 
just the, the the guy that you can throw it to and say he's down there and he's going to go catch it, they, they haven't had that. And Mac Jones is going to struggle. Yeah, and fortunately, they don't need that guy now with Mac Jones as a quarterback. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> That's four downs for you on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry and Randy, and the fight is coming your way next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. We're in studio. Randy is somewhere outside in the cone of silence and we're getting ready for the fight we got paul joining us paul how are you doing this morning we're doing good how about yourself mr david i'm doing wonderful are you how are you feeling you you ready to roll oh we're gonna do our best this morning all right let's get to it all right paul who was the starting quarterback for the 2002 tampa bay buccaneers who went on to win the super bowl over the raiders was it Kerry collins trent dilfer or brad johnson believe it was johnson which Japanese player's posting bid is the highest in Major League Baseball history at $51.7 million? Was that Daisuke Matsuzaka, Yu Darvish, or Ichiro Suzuki? I'm not sure, but let's go with C. Ichiro? Yes, sir. All right. All right, Paul. On this day in 1991, Joe Carter set an MLB record when he recorded three straight 100-plus RBI seasons with three different teams. The Indians and the Blue Jays were two of the three, but which team did he tally 100 RBI with between that, that those two teams? Was it Pittsburgh Pirates, San Francisco Giants, or the San Diego Padres? I have no idea, so let's go with the first option. Pittsburgh Pirates? Sure. All right. The Cardinals have played in seven World Series since the first expansion of the playoffs. How many times did they have the best record in the NL that season? Three, four, or five times? Go with four. All right, we'll do double check our answers here, Mr. Davis. Yep. And we will wave Mr. Carricker in. He's eating a protein bar and he's got a diet Dr. Pepper today. And his, hand, and his head is down in Twitter. Yeah, and he's he, not he, seeing me. He doesn't see. He Rock is over here looking like an, one of those people bringing yeah. the airplanes in. The plane would crash <laughs> by now. I gotta go get him. <laughs> Waving them in. Paul, how, how do you feel? Uh, so so. So so. Okay, I, I think you may have an opportunity here. Uh, Randy is. Oh, he has a protein bar, and and you said that, and and a diet Dr Pepper. Yesterday it was a Dr Pepper Zero. Right? Does it does it does it change up? Is Dr Pepper is Dr Pepper? It Dr. doesn't. Pepper, yeah, and so the Dr Pepper folks are uh, helping me out with my golf tournament on Monday. Okay, nice. all right. So I'm a uh, I'm a loyalist. Uh, to, yes, to Dr. I see. Pepper. And it does. It, it's life changing. It, it makes a huge difference in in one's life for the better. So you're you're ready to roll. I am ready. All right, we we're joined by Paul. Uh, ready? Say hello, Paul. Good morning. How you doing? Doing good. How was the bike ride up in Chicago? It was fantastic. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I had a great time. And uh, they, if you haven't heard, they closed down Lakeshore Drive on the Sunday morning of, uh, of Labor Day. It was great. Thank you very much for asking. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, who was the starting quarterback for the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers that went on to win the Super Bowl over the Raiders? It would have been number 14, Brad Johnson. 
Which Japanese player's posting bid is the highest in MLB history at 51.7 million? Seems like that would be Dice K. I'm going to go with the Dice K Matsusaka. All right, Randy. On this day in 1991, Joe Carter set an MLB record when he recorded his third straight 100-plus RBI season with three different teams. The Indians and Blue Jays were two of the three, but which team did he tally 100 with between those two? Indians, Blue Jays, Joe Carter. Um, boy, he bounced around. So he started out with the Cubs. Um, who was he with after... Cleveland. I don't think it was a National League team. Um, he played with Kansas City, but I don't th- and he was from Kansas City. But I don't think... Let me just think about this for one second. Angels A's Mayor. I'm just going to do the American League quick because I don't think he played after the Cubs in the National League. Um, so... Geez. Never played for the Yankees, Red Sox, or Orioles. Might have been the Royals. Never played for the White Sox, Tigers. I think he played for the Twins at the end of his career. I'll, I'll go with the Royals with cheese. <laughs> the Royals with cheese. The Cardinals <laughs> have played in seven World Series since the first expansion of the playoffs. How many times did they have the best record in the NL in that season? So this is since 1969? Yes, sir. So it obviously lops off the one they lost record. in 68. Yes, and it lops off the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so most of the 80s, so 101 wins in 85. And then I think you have to go all the way up to 04, 05, and maybe 15. So I will go with, because I don't think they had the best record in the league in 2000, even though they had a home field. Maybe they did. It was one year where... The years they yeah. played, the years they played in the World Series. How many times did they have the best record oh, in the NL that of the year? Years the seven they... years they've played in the World Series since the first expansion of the playoffs. Okay. How many of those be... seven years did they have the best record in the NL? Okay. Seven years. So they didn't in '82. They did in '85. They didn't in '87. They did in '04. They didn't in '06. They didn't in. 11, they didn't in 13, so I'm going to say 2. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We have a tie. We have a tie. A very rare tie between Mm. Randy and the listener because it was just, I I, I went a little, uh, I I guess, esoteric (laughs) on the questions today. We got one out of three for both of you. We'll go through the answers later. But we have a tiebreaker question. We're going to ask Randy... And Paul, this question, Randy will write down his answer first, and then Paul will verbalize his answer, and then Randy will show us what he wrote down. He's going to have to show us what he wrote down first, so obviously he can't change it after Paul answers. So, we have all the rules, we know who's showing us, who's talking, so on and so forth. So here's the question. What is Pujols' career low in home runs hit in a full season? Like a full season where... For the MLB. Where the MLB a full was season playing where a, he could have been injured, yeah. but the MLB played a full, yes. full season. Yes, what, what is his career low home runs in a full season for the Major League Baseball? So obviously just lop off 2020, every other season in his career, what is his career lows, low in home runs hit in a season? Randy, can I see your guess, please? Yeah, All right, and I what is it. your guess, Mr. Paul? So single season low, correct? Yes, sir. Six. In a full season? Yes. 
All right. Paul guesses six. Randy guesses? 17. Randy guesses 17. It was a tough one today, and I apologize for that. I'll do better, I'll do better tomorrow. <laughs> and so will most likely both Randy and the listener when I do a little bit better. But it was a tough one. One answer right for each one of them. Who actually won the fight with the tiebreaker? Let's see. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Oh. Oh. Just win, baby. <laughs> sorry about that. He almost forgot to stunt on you, Paul. Paul, I'm sorry. Randy got you on the tiebreaker. He hit the jack on the tiebreaker. He did get 17. Pujols hit 17 in 2013. This is his second year with the Angels, and also in 2021, his uh, combined year with the Angels and the Dodgers. He hit 17 as well. Good fight today. You took him to the tiebreaker, but unfortunately, he does get the win here, Paul. Before we let you go, though, let's run through all the answers. Kerry Davis. So who was the starting quarterback for the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that won the Super Bowl over the Raiders? Kerry Collins, Trent Dilfer, or Brad Johnson. It was Brad Johnson. And happy birthday, Brad Johnson. All right, HBD. <laughs> uh, the Japanese player posting bid for the highest MLB uh, history at $51.7 million. Uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka, Yu Darvish, or Ichiro Suzuka was Yu Darvish. Mm. You. On this day in 1991, the three teams that Joe Carter set the had 100-plus RBI seasons with, your options were Pittsburgh, San Francisco Giants, San Diego Padres, and the answer was the San Diego Padres. Mm. So it was a National League team. It was, team. yeah. Yep. That's forgettable. Right. <laughs> this one's going to throw Randy for a loop. Yeah, this yeah. one is. So the Cardinals have played in seven World Series since the first expansion of the playoffs. How many times did they have the best record in the NL that season? The answers were three, four, and five, and the answer was five. 1982, 1985, 1987, 2004, and tw- uh, 2013. Okay. <laughs> they ran people and then just <laughs> lost World Series. So it was a difficult one there for everybody involved. But thank you so much for joining us, Paul. Not a problem. And just curious, was that home run, was that counting the pandemic season or no? No, it was in, in a full season, so a full MLB season. So oh. the pandemic season didn't count. Sorry about that. I was trying to, I was trying to help you out when I accentuated the full season part, but I, I can only do so much. Yep, I didn't hear the not counting the full season part. Sorry about that, Paul. You were Paul, we, day. we should give you another opportunity another day. I think you deserve that. Good job, Paul. I'll, I'll put the number in. We'll give you a text, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Paul. And that's the fight. Paul on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to Mike Claiborne. He joins Kerry and Randy on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Over the course of the weekend, it was great to see Mike Claiborne from Claves Online over at the Ascension Charity Classic. Mike is uh, out and about on the St. Louis sports scene and joins us now with Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Claves. How you doing? I'm doing great. You guys are doing well, I hope. Everything's doing terrific great. here. Hey, what? A, how about the job that uh, they, they do with the Ascension Charity Classic? You know, um, I was talking to Nick Ragone about this the other day. I, I, I'm so impressed and so appreciative of what the tournament means to St. Louis, but uh, tip of the cap to the volunteers, man. I mean, they had, what, 900 of them, and, you know, first impressions are everything, and in a lot of cases, they are the first people you see when you get to the golf course, and the organization and the courtesy and everything else that took place is, is something that sticks in my mind along with seeing really good golf that I wish I could play. Yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be my question. Did you get a chance to play, and, and how well do you play? Because I'm I'm learning myself, Clay. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know what? 
Carrie, it, it, it can be anywhere from 85 to 105. It just depends <laughs> on what day it is, man. I understand. So, but I enjoy it. And, you know, I have a couple of friends that we will go out and hit balls and play until somebody has a par or birdie, which could be seven holes or 11 holes, and then we stop. <laughs> go to something else. There's some days we don't even keep score because you know when you're playing well. Right. You don't really have to keep score. You you can feel it. Uh, so I'm I'm not that person who's obsessed, and I just like going out playing and having a good time, and you know just trying to keep it reasonable and not throw a club. I don't throw clubs anymore; they cost too much. But uh, I, I have fun with it. Because I had to I had to get lessons because I've almost snapped a few, <laughs> thrown a few. <laughs> I, the frustration associated with this game of golf is 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 a level that I am uncomfortable with. So I definitely <laughs> needed some professional help in in my development in this game. Gary, you you're moving in the right direction. <laughs> um, you know, you have to have you have to get lessons. You know, I, I know people who have gone to the range and they hit a couple of buckets of balls and they they swing the club like it's Babe Ruth or somebody, but they don't understand the other elements. And, and fortunately, at Norwood Hills, we have some really good teaching pros. Bobby Pavlova is because the first person that comes to mind. But my significance taking lessons. Uh, but I was wholeheartedly anybody who's listening who wants to be better take a lesson. I mean, it's not that hard. And I guarantee you, you'll have some more satisfaction out of the game. Claves, when you and I were growing up in St. Louis, Cardinals just didn't hit home runs. Ted Simmons had hit 20. George Hendrick had hit 20, 25. But we never even dreamed that somebody could hit their 700th home run in a Cardinal uniform. And it's going to happen. And it's pretty incredible when you think about it because – We've had a lot of home run hitters since, McGuire and Albert and Roland and Edmonds and uh, obviously now Arenado and Goldie and, and Matt Holiday over the years. But to think about where the Cardinals were, when Mark McGuire came here, their all-time record for home runs in the season was 43. And aside from Stan, they, I think the number two guy had hit just over 200. It's remarkable what we're seeing now in regards to home runs, not just here but all over baseball, but specifically here. Well, I agree with you. I mean, you can name the great home run hitters on one hand that, that we've seen. Uh, Richie Allen would be in that category. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to see how the game is transcended into the, the way the Cardinals hit home runs, because it's not just Goalie and Arenado. When O'Neill is healthy, he's good for it. And you've got some other guys who are starting to find their stroke. And, and I think that's one of the things about the Cardinals this season that gives them greater hope in postseason because they have multiple ways of scoring runs. Uh, the home run, for sure, they can double you to death, and uh, they still have the ability to steal the base and go from first to third. So when you have those options working for you, it, it's, uh, it's a plus. But I think we all get a kick out of the home run. And I, I think of this. I can remember what I was doing when I saw Jack Clark hit the home run out in San Francisco. You and I were together. Mm-hmm. and uh, but, I, but I couldn't tell you who doubled in the game-winning run somewhere <laughs> along the way. I mean, that just doesn't stick with me like, like home runs do. Hey, Clay, let's let's switch gears a little bit. We were talking earlier about Miles Michaelis and, and uh, his last few starts not being the greatest. What do you need to see from him coming, coming up on Thursday when he starts uh, to give you confidence going into the playoffs? Hey, you know, Kerry, that's a good question because I've been tinkering with the fact that if the Cardinals can, you know, close this thing out here reasonably soon or have a comfortable lead, I might give Miles and Orwayno a, a, a missed start and let Flaherty and if uh, Dakota Hudson pitches well this weekend, maybe they take the start just to give those guys a rest because, you know, they go deep into ball games, unlike a lot of guys. 
And maybe if they just had one day off or one start off, maybe that'll push their reset button and they can be more effective. Mike, is there a reliever right now or two that you're worried about? For most of the season, I was, at least the second half, I was pretty comfortable with the bullpen. I, I don't really know what to expect from Jordan Hicks now. Otherwise, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable. How do you feel about the bullpen at the moment? Well, I like it. Uh, I think they've stubbed their toe a little bit. Um, the, the challenge that they're going to run into when you get into postseason, there's going to be some guys that might have to go two days in a row, okay? And when you look at Helsley, Gallegos, Hicks, they haven't shown that they've been that sharp in day two as they were in day one. So somebody's going to have to tough it out and, and pitch through the second day and uh, give the Cardinals a chance. And, and I think that's my biggest concern. Uh, the other issue is Pilante's kind of had a slow leak in the tire maybe because he's exceeded his pitch level, his innings level. Uh, he'd gone 94, was the most he'd ever gone in a season, and now he's, he's pushing 100. And, you know, you just don't know what, that, what impact that has. Does he overcompensate with his delivery? Is his mechanics a little flawed because of that? So there, that's something you really have to keep an eye on. But, you know, you've got some other guys that may be part of the bullpen. Steven Matz might be part of the bullpen. You've got some other guys who are knocking at that door looking to get an opportunity to be on that postseason roster. So I love the competition, and I think that's what's going to be the difference maker for the Cardinals, the competition that they have from within. Uh, one way to save that bullpen, obviously, is is the starting pitcher going deeper into games. And, and Jordan Montgomery has been doing that. What has he done since he's been here? They, there was talks of how the Yankees didn't want him throwing his fastball, and, and Yachty saw him <laughs> throw his fastball and asked him, why aren't you throwing that more? Uh, that was just the philosophy there in New York. What have you seen from him since he's come here, and, and how much has that transition helped him become the pitcher that he is? Well, I think it starts with, well, as you mentioned, Yachty's suggesting throw the fastball, but what he can do to right-handed hitters and run that fastball in on their hands where they can't get extended, I think has been the key. And he's got good movement, downward sink that he has with his, with his fastball that really has made him a guy to square hard to square up. I mean, you know, you watch a lot of foul balls, guys hitting balls off their end stuff. I mean, it's really hard to square them up, especially the way that pitch runs in on their hands. The 5460 podcast with Mike Claiborne and Joe West is must listen every week. I know last week you guys had Rick Barry, who's one of the more intriguing athletes of our time. Who do you have coming up? Well, speaking of intriguing, how about Jim McMahon? He's yeah. intriguing. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's a lot of things, and I think they've used intriguing once or twice when you describe him. Uh, he's gone through a lot in his life. Mm. You know, the injuries, he paid a severe price to be the Bears quarterback. And while his numbers were never gaudy, uh, he was a guy that found a way to get it done, and it didn't hurt to be able to turn around and hand it off to Walter. That that didn't hurt at all. Um, and I, I wonder if, if he and Mike Ditka hadn't have been at, at each other's throats all the time, how much more effective he would have been. But his body is taking a severe toll. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys you better keep an eye on as far as his health down the road. In one of those uh, documentaries about the 85 Bears, if you get a chance to see the 30 for 30, or I think NFL Films did one on the 85 Bears too, McMahon tells a story about how they came home from a Monday night game. Ditka had been drinking on the plane, gets pulled over for a DUI, and McMahon is driving by, knows exactly what's happening, and waves and honks his horn. <laughs> you know what? That, that is so McMahon-esque, you know, because their relationship was, was limited at best. 
you know, they, they, they share the same stub, paycheck stub, the same logo in the corner of their paychecks, and they all wore the same colors on the sideline, and they knew the plays. But I'm not sure if those guys were, were guys that were entrenched in, in kumbaya, what I would say. <laughs> Probably not at all. Definitely, Jim McMahon was a was a legend, and, and his ability to to lead that offense, and, and and as you said, when you can hand it off to Walter Payton, it makes life a much much easier task on Sundays. You know what, Kerry? You just said it. Lead the offense. Wasn't the best player on the team, but yep. knew how to be a leader and have guys buy into him, especially his offensive line. Michael, the Cardinals are home. We'll be hearing you on the Cardinal Baseball Network during the course of the seven game homestand, and. Obviously, it'll be historic tomorrow, but it has a chance to be one of the great, most memorable homestands in Cardinal history. I would say anybody who doesn't have a ticket, find one, um, because you're right. And if you have a kid, this would be a great opportunity for him to see greatness. And, you know, we've all been in that situation where we have those great parent moments where I remember when I did this with my mom or I remember when my dad took me to this. This is one of those moments that we're going to experience this weekend. No doubt about it. Claves, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys have to take care. We'll see you soon. You bet. That is the great Mike Claiborne and the Joe West 5460 podcast available wherever you find your podcasts. You know, my my good friend Aaron Moorhead, uh, coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, wide receiver coach, his father, Emery Moorhead, played on that 85 Bears team. So mm-hmm. he's we've been around and, and heard a lot of stories about how that, that time was and, and what it was what it was like being in Chicago winning that championship for that team. It was uh, it was a, it was some great stories. Now, it wasn't too long ago that Kerry Davis played in the league and James Harrison was trying to knock out a quarterback every week. But that Bears team not only tried to, they, oh, knocked, yeah. they knocked out eight <laughs> consecutive starting quarterbacks. That's when football was football, right? It, it is. This is I don't know what we watch on Sundays now, but this is this ain't it. <laughs> That's CD. I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. Should the Cardinals catching playing time be adjusted as they head down the stretch and into the playoffs? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. With Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's 9.07, and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinal catching situation, Kerry, has become interesting. Andrew Kisner has performed better of late, although his overall uh, batting average is not where you'd like it to be at 221. Over the last month or so, he's increased his OPS to 778 for that for those 28 days. And Yachty has been better of late as well. In his last eight games started, he's 11 of 30 for seven RBIs and a 1.073 OPS. As much as I like what Andrew Kisner has done and how much he has grown Mm -hmm. with the Cardinals. And by the way, I get that we are not going to have days off during the playoffs like we used to have. The new schedule doesn't allow for days off. But Yachty's gotten a lot of rest this year. I think Yachty or Molina, if he's healthy, should be your catcher. Every single playoff game. I think because of what he does behind the plate and and how well he handles the pitching staffs, and you know, at times when it comes up to bat, th- those critical, crucial moments. I think BK and I were talking about this last week when I was on with him. 
there are times, there had been times in the past weeks prior where there were critical moments and he was not delivering. But then he had that stretch where he had two home runs in a game where he was he was driving in runners and, and you're looking at it saying, okay, now we can trust him in those critical moments because regardless of if he hits well or not, what he does behind the plate is so valuable to this team that you cannot go without him for a day in substitute of a of a hitter that is not that much better of a hitter in, in, in throughout the entire season than right. he is. And when you're when you're weighing out the two, one guy is extremely valuable behind the plate. One guy is somewhat a little bit more valuable at the plate. I'm going to go with the guy behind the plate that can make the timely hits when it's time, when it, when it, when he has to come up and do so. And by the way, I want Yachty to be prepared. So during these last 21 games of the regular season, if they split time, if if Kisner plays 13 and Yachty plays 8, I'm fine with that. I want a fresh Yachty or Molina to start the playoffs and – you want to maintain a level of sharpness for Kisner because yeah. it's not like Yachty hasn't been hurt this year right. or hasn't had to take games off. So you want to have a sharp Kisner he- heading into the playoffs, too. We were talking about Jordan Montgomery uh, not wanting to give the ball up to Ali Marmar. Do you want to be Ali and tell, tell Yachty he's not starting not in really. the playoffs? No. Would you Would you like that as your job title for the day? No, as I, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> as, as Adam Wainwright has mentioned in the past, Start with the fact that Yachty has neck tats. There you go. Right? You, you, you leave those guys alone. I, 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 you, you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we'll start with that and then his level of competitiveness. But then we talk about all the time what it did for the Brewers Clubhouse for yeah. them to trade Josh Hader, even though yeah. Hader hasn't been great since. If, I, if I'm a Cardinal player and I'm in a playoff game, all due respect to Andrew Kisner, and Yadier Molina isn't buying the plate. I wonder what the hell are they doing up in the front office? What are we this, trying to when, do? When we have that meeting to put together the lineup, yeah. our best chance to win, even if Yadi doesn't get a hit, mm-hmm. is for Yadier Molina to be handling the pitching. If Jack Flaherty is back on the mound, I want him pitching I, or catching. I, I want him catching Adam Wainwright, and I especially want him catching the young bullpen arms. I, I want him back there for Helsley, want him back there for Gallegos, want him back there for Hicks and everybody else down there. I, I think the, the only decision that would be made or, or would need to be made is a late-inning pinch run type of situation mm-hmm. where you're either down a run or, or the score is tied, and you got to get that guy to second base, and you know Yachty – and I'm talking eighth, ninth inning where you got to get a run in. Um, you got to get that runner over the second at some somehow, some way, and you just don't think that Yachty can get it done. And if he does get the second, he's probably not going to be able to score on a single. Uh, so those moments, yes, but starting the game and 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 not and not having him for the entire game, not starting him in the game, I think that would just be crazy to to, to make that decision. And by the way. If you pinch run for Yadier Molina in the next and the next inning, you have to have Andrew Kisner behind the plate. That's not a bad option. Right. He's really ascended both defensively and over the course of the last month offensively. His last week hasn't been so great, but Yadi's been getting most of the time. But if you have to put Andrew Kisner in there mm-hmm. when you pinch run for Yadier Molina, that's not a huge it's not as big a drop off as some of the backups that Yadi right. has had at the level that he right. was at before. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it. And like I said, I think Yadi has to he has to play. And, and I I'm a firm believer that because of his pedigree, because of what he's done throughout his entire career, when those moments come up in games, he's going to make that play. He's going to make that hit. He's going to sacrifice fly to move the runner over. Whatever the whatever is needed in that moment, I just truly believe that that regardless of what the analytics may say, there is something about 
players that have done it mm-hmm. and that know how to how to how to perform in those type of situations that they tend to get it done more more times than not. We have a two two game against the Padres, game three of the playoffs in the ninth inning, and there's a runner at third with two out. I think Yachty's getting the runner home. I think he's going to get a, He's going to dump a hit into right field and get find the runner home to win the game. He's going to find a way. And, yeah. and you you believe in your guys. Like I said, it, it, there is something to be said about people that have done it before. When you are in those situations and, and that moment does not become too big for you, it, it, it's it's those players you want at the plate. It's those guys you don't you don't necessarily want a rookie that hasn't done it before. You want a guy, a seasoned vet mm-hmm. that has been there and done it, and you have faith that he's going to get it done in that moment. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. That's today's big thing coming up. One of our favorites, the former Cardinal, now of MLB Network and ESPN. He's just a, a multimedia guy. Xavier Scruggs is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and it's great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Xavier Scruggs of MLB Network and ESPN and various and sundry other media outlets joins us now. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. We got to tell you that Michelle Smallman has gone to ESPN. She's doing the the overnight Sports Center on radio. So Carrie, uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler, played uh, football here in St. Louis, played for the University of Illinois. Carrie is my new partner partner here. That's awesome, Carrie. I'm sorry to hear that you got to deal with Randy for uh, for the next <laughs> while, man. Well, but, it, uh, hopefully it, everything goes all right. It's seven a.m. to ten a.m., so it, it, it's it's been okay. It's not too bad. I, Randy is a great teacher, but the seven a.m. part is is I I do understand what you're saying, sir. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you guys are gonna make awesome team. Happy uh, happy you guys got got together. Thank, Thank you, you, I appreciate Xavier. it. And we always enjoy having you on the show. And we know that uh, you're paying close attention to the Alberts Pujols chase for. 700 and Yachty and uh, and Wayno 325 starts as a battery between those two tomorrow. The 325th will set a record. Put that in perspective from a baseball player's perspective. What do you think when you think about those guys starting 325 games together as a battery? I mean, honestly, it's it's unreal and it's tough to put into perspective just because of the longevity within the game. And you you think about it like Guys have, aren't playing that long in the game nowadays. It's almost like you get to a point where you're 30, 32, and it's like, okay, let's go get the young guy. But it tells you what they've done to keep themselves in great shape. It tells you about their ability to go to, go to the post every time that they're supposed to. We understand Yachty, you, can't, you can barely kick him out the game just because he wants to start every single day. But it also gives you an idea of the production that they've had throughout the course of their seasons, right? You don't just have these guys playing at this age without them still producing. And I think that's one thing that's impressed me most, specifically with Wayno and Pujols, because you're talking about a Cardinal caliber team in which we're talking about playoffs. Like this team is, is bound to be one of the better teams even going into the playoffs. So I still love the fact that you have guys producing at this age for teams that are really doing something special in a really magical season when you talk about the types of players that we're talking about. Xavier, you, you hit a nerve when you said when you turn 31, 32, it's time for the, for the young guy to come in because I, I, I know that all too well. Us former players know that feeling when, when they start looking at the younger people and not you anymore. 
Hundred percent. I think that that's that was the case for me too. So yeah. I, I definitely know I definitely know the feel, and that's why I'm now doing the same thing as you on the broadcasting <laughs> side, on the analyst side, because you still get to talk about some of these guys that you played with. For right. me specifically, Pujols and Wayno being a, a, a mentee to these guys, they've been able to kind of carry me along the idea of okay. This is what it's supposed to look like as a professional. When I was in the minor leagues, I got to see Pujols every day put the work in um, inside the cage, out there on the field, uh, uh, defensively, offensively. And the same thing with Wayno. I, I got to be in the clubhouse with them. These guys are special guys for a reason. It's because they care more about the people around them than they do themselves. And naturally, the, the success comes off of that. Exactly. We were talking earlier about you know uh, players, and, and we were talking about the Brewers, how they traded away Josh Hader and how the Cardinals uh, brought in Jordan Montgomery and, and Quintana. Can you talk about how that is in a, in, a, in a ball club, for a ball team, for a ball club, when you trade away one of your best players for the Brewers and, and how you think about that, how you're looking at your season going forward. And, and the exact opposite happens for the Cardinals when they bring in players and they go on the, the, uh, the hot streak that they've been on. Well, I think that's a great point because naturally since the trade deadline, we've seen the Brewers take a step back, right? And specifically from a pitching standpoint and as a team in a clubhouse, when you see the, the one of the best closers in all of baseball leave your team during a pennant chase, that's a that's a blow to the confidence of the team, right? You're looking around like, man, we just lost one of our, our, our dudes, one of our mainstays in this clubhouse as well. And I think you look at the opposite for the Cardinals situation is they went out and got some help. And not only have they went out and got the help, they've turned those guys into some solid dudes when you talk about going out there every fifth day and providing an opportunity to go deep in the ball games. I look specifically at Montgomery. They've changed up his whole arsenal. So this is a guy in which the Cardinals went out, and the same for Jose Quintana, and figured out, okay, how can we not only insert him into our rotation, but how can we make sure that his arsenal is going to be allowed to give him the most success facing these teams down the stretch and we've seen that specifically with these guys so you have to give credit to not only the front office but also you look at Oliver Marmel in his first year being a manager being able to go out there manage the bullpen the way he has go out and give put guys in the best position to succeed uh, make the right decisions I, I can't say enough about what this guy has done in his first year in a managerial stint in St. Louis did you run across him in the Cardinal organization at all Absolutely. Me and Oliver actually played together in uh, in single A. And then throughout our years, as he was coaching in the minor league levels, we always kept in contact. He's a close friend of mine. We still talk regularly. I actually just asked him yesterday, hey, what's the deal with the uh, with the uh, the pepper grater with <laughs> Lars Dubar? And he was like, man, X, if I knew, I would let you know. So it's just we still have a great relationship, and I'm still picking his brain and trying to learn from him because he's in a great position as a manager. So here's, here's what happens. The Cardinals grind out at-bats, and so <laughs> Lars wanted to signify that. So he gets to second base, and he, he would feign the pepper grinder. And then I think they were in Pittsburgh, and somebody either stole or bought a pepper grinder, and so they've got it in the room now. They took him out for his birthday dinner, <laughs> yeah, no, his and they, birthday and they dinner. walked away from the dinner with a pepper grinder. So it, it's uh, an homage to them grinding out at-bats. There you go. That's so awesome. And that's so the Cardinals, right? That's, that's the perfect example.
Hey, Xavier, uh, when Mark McGuire was chasing 62 back in 1998, you know St. Louis, you, you played here. Well, you'd be walking through a grocery store and they would break into the, the music in the grocery store to, to air the McGuire at bats in a grocery store as you're walking around shopping. And I have to believe that that's going to happen over the course of the next week to 10 days here as Albert approaches 700. You put up uh, a video on your Twitter last night. And by the way, follow Xavier on Twitter at Xavier underscore. Score Scruggs, but you know how important this pursuit is, specifically in this town, uh, for this guy and this mark of 700 home runs. Man, this is it, it, it's it's hard to describe just because we don't see people get to this point in their careers very often. And we have to relish in the fact that this dude is going out there and putting on a show and hitting some historic numbers that we may never see ever in our game again. So I, from, a, from a national standpoint, with me being with MLB Network, I, I'm still like, I go in there and I'm like, yo, we, we've got to show every Albert at bat mm-hmm. because yeah. if we don't soak this in right now, then we're going to look back and we're going to be like, man, it, it was too late. You know, you, we have to do it in the moment. And I just think that there's got to be an appreciation for what he's been able to do. And not only that, I still look at like I still look at the last at bat my my guy had that uh, that drove the uh, and Albert hit the home run. It's a it's a two one ball game. They're losing. It's supposed to be like a pressure type of situation. Two zero count. He just does what we've seen Albert do for so long. Use the middle of the field and drive it to the furthest part of the yard. Like it, it's it's still like impressive to me what he's been able to do in clutch situations. And then I look at after the game they they. It's 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 not six ninety seven. That should be his ball, right? No, he's he gives it. He allows the people that caught the ball to keep the ball because it's a year uh, year since the um, the lady's father had been passed away. So I look at the type of person he is. Like it's unreal what he's doing right now, and I just think we got to soak it in. Um, and don't miss an opportunity to witness something special. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that Randy and I were saying. We don't feel like it's enough national coverage in regards to what, what Pujols is doing and what Yachty and Wainwright are doing. Uh, do you believe that anything like – you talked about the, the 700 possibly not happening again. We went through the numbers yesterday. Uh, but do you think that the battery combination with Waino and, and Yachty will ever be reached just because of the longevity of, of careers that are taking place? No, I, I don't think that's going to happen again. And I just look at you—you you don't see not not only from a pitching standpoint, guys having the longevity Wayno has, but even from a catching standpoint, right? And and you also look at catchers nowadays—they don't start every game. So you look at a lot of times you'll have now the two catchers—they'll go, they'll split games. Yachty been starting games for such a long period of time, and like I mentioned earlier. He's going to tell the manager, "No, I don't need a day of rest. I don't need rest." So I think you you don't you're not going to get that any longer moving forward. With as much as rest and recovery is as important is it as important as it is nowadays. Um, the same thing with limiting pitchers' innings throughout the course of a season. Um, it, the same thing with the length in which pitchers throw. Like we're not we're just not going to see those types of things anymore. So that's another thing that we really have to soak in and understand that this is just a special. Hey, Xavier, one more thing before we let you go. And you brought up something on uh, social media again on Twitter that I hadn't even considered. And that's the 
possibility of the Padres missing the playoffs. My goodness, with all the effort they put in off the field, and as good as that team is, even without Fernando Tatis Jr., when you think about that starting rotation, the fact that they went out and got Hader, they went and got Soto and Bell at the trade deadline, my goodness, if the Padres don't make the playoffs, what happens? Yeah, if the Padres don't make the playoffs, you, you're, you're going to see naturally some firings. And, and it's just a situation where this team has done too much. You, you, too much. you mentioned it during the trade deadline, going out and getting a Juan Soto, going out and, and getting a Josh Hader, going out getting Brandon Drury. Um, so they've made so many of these moves to be able to do something special in San Diego, and you just look at right now, they're in a wild card spot, so they're in a good situation. But you don't want to go and do all that and miss the playoffs. Like, you go out and get a Juan Soto, you go out and get one of the best closers in a Josh Hader to give yourself a deep postseason run. We're talking World Series type runs, not just to make the playoffs. So I'm hoping that that isn't the case in which they miss out. But I still look at we because of the downfall from last year and the reoccurrence of, you know, seemingly not doing enough as a team but still having all the talent, that's when you got to look inside the organization. See, so there's something wrong in a sense in, in which we cannot continue to have that happen. And me being from San Diego, like I want to see this Padres team continue to play good baseball and continue to make a name for themselves. So I'm just hoping – that they end up making this postseason with the roster that they have. And you know what's interesting, Xavier, and we're fans, so we, we look at it from a different perspective. If the playoffs started today, the Padres would have to come here for three, and the Cardinals are dominant at home. We're just assuming that the Cardinals would beat that super talented Padres team in the first round of the playoffs. I think that's how you have to look at it. And I think the the biggest testament is – what what the Cardinals have done, not even what the maybe what the Padres' inconsistencies have been. I look at the Cardinals and the role that they're on as far as playing really good baseball, really sound baseball. They're doing the Cardinal things. And when we talk about the Cardinal things, I think it's the little details, right? The good defense, the base running, uh, being smart about situational plays, uh, making the right uh, choices when it comes to the bullpen late in games. Uh, I think that you're starting to see the, the real stride of the Cardinals right now at the right time. And um, and I think one of the biggest things is it, it's been a magical season with the guys like Yachty, Wayno, and Pujols. And I, and I said at the beginning of the season, don't mess with the magical season. Something just happens when you get when you have those types of things that occur. Hey, we're thrilled for what you're doing with MLB Network and ESPN and working so hard and doing great at it. Thanks so much for the time, Xavier. Always good to talk to you, and we'll do it again soon. Hey, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That's our friend Xavier Scruggs, MLB Network, every single day, ESPN. He's, he, he, he is becoming one of the media faces of baseball, and he's terrific at it. That's awesome. It's, it's good to, to have uh, our own in, in St. Louis Cardinals on, on, the, on the airwaves every single day, so that's, that's awesome for him. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, rock and roll. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. I want to rock! And roll. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, Matthew will rock 
Rocky Oak, get it? And we will roll. Thank you, take it All right. I was going to open this up with some comments from Jerry Jones from about an hour and a half ago, and he decided to follow that up with some even more better comments uh, on his regular his regular appearance <laughs> on 105.3 The Fan. The first thing I was going to bring up is the fact that he said it admitted to on Sunday watching every single play of the Bengals offense to watch Lael Collins this oh. season. <laughs> and then he followed it up by saying he expects Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott, again, yesterday was reported six to eight weeks, he expects Dak Prescott will be back within four games. They will not put him on the injured reserve. By the way, just if you're wondering about a little math there, their bye week is not until week nine. So I don't know what kind of math Jerry's is doing, but he's watching offensive linemen on their teams. He's talking about the quarterback being back three to four weeks ahead of a schedule. What's Jerry doing on a Tuesday? Jerry's doing Jerry things. He's he's got a lot of money and a lot of time clearly to be mm-hmm. watching uh, Lael Collins to see what he's doing, and and he must also be a doctor because he's diagnosed Dak Prescott and said he'll be back in 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 no time in comparison to the time that that the medical staff has provided. He must he must know all things that we are not privy to. If he wanted to watch Lael Collins play, why didn't he sign <laughs> he him? Should. I mean, you you had the opportunity, right? You, you, if you wanted you to watch him guy. play every day, every Sunday, you could have just kept him in town. I, I, it sounds a little bit mad to me, but, you know, there you go. That's Jerry for you. Do you think everybody's saying that they should go out and find another quarterback, but it's hard to bring in a new quarterback. I know Cooper Rush isn't the most gifted guy in the world, but it's hard to bring in a new quarterback and get him acclimated. I think the the initial thought would have been Jimmy Garoppolo, right? That, mm-hmm. that would probably be the first name that came to most people's minds. But the 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 terminology is is can be so vastly different from one organization to the next. It may take you two or three weeks to actually understand the verbiage and understand who is doing what and and what you say in one one on one team might mean something completely different on another team. And that is the most critical position on the football field. You don't want to have your quarterback saying something and thinking something that is is not taking place. And probably by the time he actually became acclimated to the new stat to the new um terminology and the new playbook <laughs> Dak would be ready to be coming yeah, back yeah, so yeah. It, it really serves no purpose of bringing in another quarterback uh with this short of time that that Dak will be on on the shelf will the Cowboys ever win a Super Bowl with Jerry Jones as the owner nope. again Randy will not happen no mm. he's just too invasive and I just think he's just he his his, his ego is too big and you got to have thinkers you got to be willing to take other people's opinions I think that window think every year we get a draft story where it's like Steven and company had to hold him back mm-hmm. from getting to the phone yeah. that you can't win with that kind of mindset it's never going to happen I think their window uh probably closed with this this group it probably closed a couple of years ago when they had that offensive line yep. and, and, and Zeke was able to run. You had Cooper and, and, and you had Dak playing at a, at a high level. I think that window has closed. I think they're going to have to move forward. Dak will still be there, but mm-hmm. there will be some cha- transition and some changes that take place over the next two to three years. And they may have another window that opens. I think, I think Dak will still be a part of that. But this group, as, as it is, I don't think it will be. Randy, finally, there is some golf drama that is not directly related to the Live Tour. There's, oh, let's hear it. It's kind of tertiary related to the to the Live Tour. But Sergio Garcia did not have a good first round of the BMW Championship over in England. He had a 76-round one, and then they were going to cancel the next day of the tournament, postpone it, I should say, because of the Queen's death. He decides, ah, I'm not about this round two. Pulls a Dustin Johnson, says, withdraws after round one, and then you find him in a completely different location within the next 24 hours. Just the Dustin Johnson special. Pictured then 
again at the Alabama-Texas game <laughs> in Austin a day later. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He has now been fined by the DP World Tour for an illegal withdrawal. You have to have a, a, a reasonable medical reason to withdraw. And John Rahm, who used to kind of protect Sergio when some of this uh, live tour stuff, John Rahm has now come back at him and is scolding him for withdrawing because he stole a spot from the first reservist, mm. uh, Alfredo Garcia Her- Heredera, a friend of his and a young Spaniard, got screwed over, was not able to play at all because instead of withdrawing before round one, Garcia waited till after a bad round one to withdraw. Your thoughts on the kind of the conflict now between John Rahm and Sergio Garcia? I will say he just went about it the wrong way. When you when the queen died, it was mentally anguish. He was mental anguish, and it was so much stress on him. He could not compete at the level that he the Spaniard, felt need. The John Rahm. He he felt he could not compete at the level that he needed to compete at. So he said, "I gotta go," and yeah. that's all he had to say. That is, that's a med- Are we gonna argue that that's a, a, a medical a issue? Mental that, no, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna argue about that, are we? We're gonna say right. that this is what it is. Who's gonna disagree? And just and the thing that helped me feel better about. Where I was with the Queen's death was the Texas and Alabama game. It was the only thing that could help me and soothe my emotions in that time. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the answer. Nobody should ever. He should say he should yeah. he should hire me. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> right? Yeah, he he needs the PR. There you go. Because nobody has ever confused him with being like an iron horse. He's, yeah. he, he, he's been a quitter over the course of his career. And this is just another example. I don't think anybody should be surprised when you let that guy into your tournament. There is a chance, albeit remote, he's played a lot of tournaments where he's finished, but there's a pretty decent chance that he's not going to be able to finish that baby. I'm, I'm going to go from calling that the Dustin Johnson special to the Live Tour special. You, you, yeah. you get a bad round one, you you bail out, and then you take Just $14 million dollars you got extra from Live, <laughs> and you go wind up on a beach within the next 24 hours. How about Rory before the thing started saying he was concerned about all the Live guys having to play four rounds because he might be so tired? <laughs> I love, yeah. I love how him. Rory has taken up like get the... Him. Just like the very front of the pitchfork knob <laughs> of like, I hate this live tour stuff. And I'm going to burn it down every chance I get. Get him. One last topic. We, we talked about this a little bit off the show yesterday, Carrie. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Steph Curry admits that there were some internal discussions between him and the Golden State Warriors on the potential of going after Kevin Durant if the Brooklyn Nets would have made him available. A lot of consternation here. A lot of people were angry at the state of basketball when Kevin Durant last joined the Golden State Warriors. So... A possibility anytime in the future, would you be okay with a Curry Durant Golden State Warriors reunion? Well, I think that ship is sailed, but it, it, had it happened this summer, I definitely would have been all, all on board. I, I am a Warriors fan, I am a Steph Curry fan, Steph Curry fan, I, and I, I enjoy the way that they play basketball. I feel like it's played in the right way where there is no one particular person that's going to dribble, 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 and take a shot at the end of the shot clock. They're going to pass it around, they're going to find a wide open guy, and they all are are rooting and cheering for each other's success. And so if you could get Kevin Durant and potentially lose some of the the young talent that they had, but you get Kevin Durant back mm-hmm. in the fold, you sign up for that every single day. And evidently KD was on board with it too, which is important yeah. because those are the two that had the spat in Kevin Durant's last year. Uh, with the Warriors and Draymond Green. So if Draymond Green was on board, it would have been cool. Like you said, it would have been great balance. But 
I don't think that if Kevin Durant goes, even though he did win a couple of finals MVPs, I don't think that he would would ever be considered a guy that carried a team to a championship. I don't think he ever will be. He, he it, it, Even though Kevin Durant won those MVPs, those finals MVPs, everyone knew and knows that it was still Steph Curry's team. He, he was he driving was, the bus. He was driving the bus, even though he wasn't scoring all of the points. Um, and, and he was the guy. He was He's their one. And, and everyone else is two, three, four, five. You pick a number and figure it out. God bless Charles Barkley for that. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was amazing. Bus that dri- he was, was a bus all, driver. That is an all-timer. <laughs> and then TNT, getting got the bus. Him a bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I, that was the, amazing. The one thing I will say, I get the whole, you know, basketball stupid when, the, when you get the super teams. My whole problem with the Golden State Warriors is that when, when they got Kevin Durant, he would just go into hero ball mode. And the best part about the Golden State Warriors is that that offense never stopped. And so they like, don't. I honestly think that I don't I don't want Kevin Durant on the Warriors because when Kevin Durant's on the war when Kevin Durant's on a different team and the Warriors are their own team, then that's two great teams I can watch. Yeah. As soon as you put Kevin Durant on the Warriors, that's only one great team I can watch. I, 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 he can carry an entire team. Let him do that. That's I like more fun winners. for basketball. I like winning. And and if you can win all of them, why, why not? I don't care about Why the hell do I care about them? I want to win. I want, to, I want the best players, and I want to win every game. That is rock and roll. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Speaking of winning, the Cardinals have done that a lot. We've got a phenomenal stat to illustrate that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, coming up on June 17th, 2023, we want you to hop on that honky-tonk highway. You don't have to be careful what you wish for, and you can head on down to the ballpark and maybe get a beer can and do what memories are made of, because 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of free tickets to see Luke Combs at Bush Stadium on June 17th, 2023. <laughs> Get ready now. That's right. Tickets on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. And uh, here's what you need to know, to answer. 65780 to win a pair of tickets right now. We've talked about it with Stan McNeil and Mike Claiborne and Xavier Scruggs. What pitch is Jordan Montgomery using more since the trade to the Cardinals? What pitch is Jordan Montgomery using since his trade to the Cardinals more than he used with the Yankees? If you are the uh, correct, have you, if you're texture number 48, that's Jordan Montgomery's number, uh, with the correct answer to 65780, you win a pair of tickets. You can also find tickets free, a bonus chance to win them at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. By the way, right at the beginning, I gave a bunch of uh, Luke Combs songs. Don't know if you know. That was pretty good. <laughs> I was, that was pretty good. You just rattled them right off there. Just oh, yeah. put them right in there. And just... I did not know that. Yeah. And that was, by that the way, silky, you just... Uh, silky smooth from Randy Carricker. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, when you get the tickets, you'll have a pair. You just uh, put them on a magnet on your refrigerator door. Oh, there's another, another, <laughs> another Luke, Luke Combs song. All right, so, CD, I've, I've given the stat multiple times. Since the end of the 2010 season, this will be 12 years now, the Cardinals have played five games in which they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Derek Gould has a new stat that wow. takes it even further. Such a good stat. It is. As of this past Sunday, the Cardinals have played 2,900 games, 2,900 games since Yadier Molina made his MLB debut in 2004. Mm -hmm. 2,900 games in 18 years. They've been out of playoff contention 
in 24 of those 2,900 games. That's amazing. Not 2,400, 24 24. games out of (laughs) 2,900, they've been out of playoff contention. That that is pretty amazing. That that speaks volumes to a a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, Yadier Molina. He's done it. He's done it for a long time, and and you 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 can't. Those numbers speak for themselves. And what's funny about the organization? Yeah, Yeah, the organization. You've had a couple of different general managers. You've had Tony. You've had Matheny. You've had Schilt. You've got Ali now. So you've had you've gone through four managers, but it's one ownership. It's one culture from the top that has allowed them to play 2,900 games and only 24 be out of playoff contention. It's an organization that scouts well, that knows what they need, what they're looking for, and those players that do come up for the minors obviously do a, do an outstanding job. Um, we talked about the, the lack of hitting on free agents, but you don't have to hit on free agents that often when you're doing well in your scouting department and bringing people in. The Steelers really are the Cardinals of the NFL, aren't there they? There you go. I, I agree. They they do The Steelers do an awesome job as well in, in scouting and recruiting, figuring out who who can fit what mold they need? The fans um, get mad because they don't they spend don't, the big they money don't free spend, agents. They don't spend money on big time free agents, but they do a great job drafting and and drafting first round through sixth round, seventh round. They find guys that can help that that pro, that team. And in great comparison, they might not make the big splash in the off season, but in in, in, in for free agency. Yeah. But when they see a player that they know fits their scheme and fits what they want to do, yep. they'll go out there and make the move. Minka Fitzpatrick's a great example. He might not be the big free agent signing, but they went out there and they they put it out there and said. We're going to go give a first-round pick and go get a guy that we know will completely change the complexion of our team yeah. and is going to work with our squad. Mitchell Trubisky comes to mind and Jordan mm-hmm. Montgomery. Like kind right. of the same mold type of player. Very good players, starters, guys that you can lean on and count on, but maybe not what other people thought they could be or would be. So, yeah, they, they, they do kind of mesh in that, in that regard. Balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. We, what do we got tomorrow? We got uh, oh, oh Adam Wainwright joining us tomorrow. It's Wednesdays with Wayno here on the opening drive. Great job by our producer and engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. And CD, this was fun. Go Hawks. All right. <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.